Well, hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Rate the Record podcast, episode 18, the 2022 edition. Yeah, yeah, we're still here. You cannot get rid of us. Unfortunately, Uh I apologize on behalf of both of us. Yeah, I don't apologize at all, suckers. Yeah, we took a couple of weeks off there at the end of 2021, you know, just kind of relaxing. But we've released our best of. We released a new bonus episode. Uh But now we are back in full swing with season two, I guess you want to call it, of the podcast. Oh, yes. And the hosts that just won't die are Chris and... Savannah. Exactly. (laughs) Trying to think of something, you know, sexy Savannah or special, but there's just... No punchiness. You had weeks to think about this, and this is how you came back. No, I fly off the seat of my pants all the time. I am charismatic Chris. I can speak properly. There you go. That's my my, uh, title for the week. I'm still Savannah, like Cher Madonna. That's it. No last name. I was virgin birth. Yeah, but you're not at the point where you turn yourself into a symbol yet. You're not there. Yet. Yet. You have all season to do that. But anyways, yes, it is us. Rate the Record Podcast. We're back for episode 18. And this week is all about uh, an album that's very relevant to 2022 if you are are a Nine Inch Nails fan, which we are covering year zero today, their 2007 album. If you are aware of this album and the story behind it, because it is a concept album, it is super relevant to this year. So that's why it's the very first album we're doing this year. But before we go any further... Uh, hopefully you've seen the podcast before, and if you have, make sure you hit that like and subscribe button. They're on YouTube. Leave some comments. Be a part of that community that we are still building. We're never going to stop building. We want you to be a part of it, so please, if you would, uh, be so kind and be a part of that community. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> Audio listeners, hello. Welcome back. It's been a few weeks for you, but trust me, you are still a part of this, too. Like, subscribe, follow, comment, rate, whatever looks good. You can do that, and we can all be a big, happy family. Yay, I don't have a family. No one loves me. Please love me. Please be a brick in the uh, building that is our podcast. Thank you. We are starting 2022 on a very depressing note. (laughs) I'm just going to beg every time. You know, shameless. It's fine. Find excuses to beg. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm super stoked to talk about this album. I mean, like, if if people haven't noticed in the past me talking about how much I love this band. I got a flag behind me for the audio listeners. I do have a flag behind me in the Science Nails. I'm wearing a Year Zero themed shirt. I would have the record, but for the last three years, Nine Inch Nails website has said coming soon, which I assume this year is the coming soon. So I hope so. When Year Zero, the, the album vinyl comes out, trust me, I will get it. <laughs> but before we dig any further into that, and Savannah has to deal with her cat real quick. You know what? Welcome back, she, Beans. She is the third host. Yeah, the, the kind of like sporadic third host of the show. Yep. Before yep. we dig any further into the album or Beans, we <laughs> we have a disclaimer we like to read to make sure we're all on the same level when it comes to like, you know, discussing our opinions on albums. So that way we're not being dicks. We're not assholes. We're nothing of the sort. We're just uh-huh. friendly people having fun listening to music and talking about it. We have a disclaimer we like to read. Make sure we're all on the same level. So what is that disclaimer that we've read <coughs> like 17 times in the past? Let's <coughs> excuse me. Let's see if I can still read. It's been a while. 
The following thoughts and opinions we're going to discuss on Rate the Record regarding this album are strictly of our own personal interests. We are not professional music reviewers. We are simply two friends having fun discussing and listening to music. We encourage respectful discussion and friendly banter on each episode, but we do not condone and will not tolerate bullying or belligerence based on the opinions of ourselves or others. This podcast is a casual and for fun project, and you are welcome to take what we say regarding the albums we rate with a grain of salt. I did it right. Oh my god, I screwed the last few ones by like doing the double, like the whole wink, or double blink, I should say, or just blink. I finally winked properly. Can't, can't you tell I'm winking as you're double blinking the whole time? My cognitive functions are coming back to me. Oh, it's a new year, apparently new host. I thought we were just going to be the same old bland host, but no, I'm improving. I don't know about Savannah, I can't speak on behalf of her. Call me bland. I'm spicy, Savannah. There it is, thank you. You're, you're a little too much extra salt on the food there. <laughs> That's fine. I'll burn your tongue. What else? Or, or oregano, organo, oregano, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> oregano. Oregano. What the hell? <laughs> Paprika. But yes, anyway. it's time for Nine Inch Nails in Year Zero. I have been waiting for this episode probably since the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> Yeah. Um, to those so. of you who don't know, we we plan our schedules out very far in advance of like episodes that we're going to do. And Year Zero has been on our schedule since probably like not okay, not the beginning, but like October at the very least. Yeah, it, so, it has had this slot the entire time, and I've been threatened to not move it. And I've also threatened you to not score it any less than a hundred percent, which. Might be a little contradicting today, but we will see. <laughs> Not too contradicting, I'll say that much. But anyways, you'll find that a little later. But yes. Yes, yes, yes. Nine Inch Nails Year Zero. I'm so goddamn excited. Uh, and so here's a little uh, fun fact about, not fun fact, but like a bunch of tidbits about the band. And this album specifically, which is a concept album, and because I'm such a big Nine Inch Nails fan, and this album as a musician for me is what made me want to start making music in the first place. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the concept too, because I obviously adore this album. So... Nine Inch Nails is an industrial-slash-alternative rock band that originated in Cleveland, Ohio, later to settle in New Orleans, Louisiana, then Los Angeles, California, following the destruction caused by Hurricane Katrina in 2005. Trent actually lost his studio that year. I didn't even know they went to New Orleans, so that's... He was... He actually adored New Orleans. That was, like, his home, away-from-home type thing. It actually was his home. Cool. The band originally started in 1988 by Michael Trent Reznor. Trent being his middle name, Michael being his original first name, but Trent's just a cooler name. Sounds whatever. so much better. Uh, he worked as an assistant engineer and a janitor at Right Track Studios at the time, and he was given permission to record his first demos when there was no one else booked into the studio. So Trent would be the only member of the studio band until 2016 when Reznor recruited longtime producer and collaborator Atticus Ross, formerly of the band 12 Rounds. Nine Inch Nails has been has seen sorry a parade of touring members and collaborators such as Robin Fink, Alessandro Cortini, Elon Rubin, Richard Patrick of Filter, Danny Loner, Justin Meldo Johnson of Beck, Josh Freese, Charlie Clouser, Pino Palladino, one of the greatest living bassists right now, and so many more. Oh my God, there's actually a huge laundry list of them. Dang. All right, so that's the band. Year Zero. Okay, so uh, buckle in. I wrote a paragraph for this one. All right, buckled in. Because it is, again, a concept album. Year Zero is the fifth studio album. There's been plenty of EPs by Nine Inch Nails and live albums. 
But Year Zero is the fifth studio album by Nine Inch Nails and was released in April 2007. So yes, we're a little short of the 15th anniversary, but again, it was just suiting to start the year this way, and you'll find out in a minute. It was mainly recorded while on their With Teeth tour in 2006 and was released through Interscope Records. It's a concept album that takes place in the year 2022. Can you believe it? So he wrote it 15 years ago. And so I, I want to preface this real quick. Anyone, again, anyone who's aware of this album knows how convoluted this story is. So breaking this down to a very small paragraph was one of the hardest things I've ever done. <laughs> so if I'm missing any details, just let, let it slide because there's way too much to mention. <laughs> Here is the absolute Coles notes I could write for it. Authoritarian governments have taken over the United States. Religions and surveillance is top priority. The, U the U.S. ends up nuking a country, I think it's mainly Iraq that they do, and invading others. A drug called parapin is distri distributed as a way to keep the populace complacent and apathetic under the guise of protection against potential biological warfare. Several resistance groups arise in both violent and nonviolent forms. Global warming intensifies, endangered species are wiped out, and a new drug called opal, which is more popular than heroin or cocaine, becomes an epidemic that the government just simply shrugs off and says, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> uh, this leads to what's originally to believe a ma originally believed to be a mass hallucination of a four-figured hand piercing from the sky, which, by the way, is the album cover. Uh, which people have ended up dubbing called The Presence. It's originally thought to be a side effect of the opal, but people who never took the drug also report seeing it. It comes with the warning of erasing everything if the world continues on the path that it's on. That is the absolute shortest I can get that description in. Interesting. And Were they ever going to make this into a, like a visual, like a movie? Fun fun fact that you mentioned that. I didn't write this, but I'll mention it. Uh, they were in talks to make a miniseries on HBO. Oh. There was a video game planned. Uh, but everything got canceled uh, because uh, they couldn't agree on writers or how it was going to progress with HBO. And I don't think the year video game was ever going to leave the ground, essentially. Yeah. Which sucks like because good it would have been a great miniseries. It would have been yeah. amazing. Um, but with this album, Year Zero, outlets such as Blender and Rolling Stone gave the album four out of five stars. The LA Times gave it four out of four stars. MSM Music gave it an A-. minus. It appeared at number one on the UK Rock and Metal Albums charts and the U.S. Top Rock Albums Charts. It also appeared at number three on the Canadian Albums Charts. I actually remember that, and it got beaten out by Avril Lavigne's uh, Best Damn Thing, I think it was. I was very oh, depressed yeah. about that. Yeah, the, <laughs> the song Girlfriends on. That's a pretty decent song, but I digress. It beat out Year Zero. But anyway, the album produced two singles, Survivalism and Capital G. But yes, that is Year Zero in a very vague and probably incomplete nutshell. <laughs> Dang. This is a big album. I have a lot to say about it. <laughs> well, I I definitely look forward to learning about, I guess, the story, your interpretation and stuff, because it's quite evident you've listened to this far more than I have. For 15 years, I... <laughs> yeah, it's up there somewhere, but I don't know how many times. Way too many times, maybe, but yeah, how, yeah. What's, what's way too many times, really? Yeah. Well, it's like trying, trying to to sort of get the nuance of a movie when you've only watched it once. Cause you know, by the, by the time it's over, you don't even remember how it started. So and I, uh, I look forward to this. It'll be fun, but I will, I'll note this right at the beginning. Then um, every song is written through the perspective of a different character or situation. Um, I won't be breaking that part down. I mean, uh -huh. this episode would be like three hours long, if not longer. Uh, and we're not looking to do that. So <laughs> 
Just understand every song is a different perspective in the same world at the same time. Okay. So, and also it's it's in a very kind of short time frame leading up to the end of the album is literally the end of the story. And you'll see that when we get there. I have things to say about that. Um, but yeah, just so we're all aware of how this album is structured, that's the way it is. Cool. So without further ado, I mean, this is probably one of the longest introductions we've had to do. <laughs> I'm so happy to talk about this. So, we're getting into year zero. Song number one, the intro track, Hyperpower, in all caps with an explanation mark at the end. Yep. This song is uh, is a great start to the album because I imagine this as like the, the opening credit sequence to a movie. Okay. Uh, so, like, it's a good start to the album. Um, it has this consistent building tension that just gets more and more intense through every eight bars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it leads to like a very noisy, explosive ending. Um, yeah, it works as a really good encapsulating preview of like pretty much the entire thing to come. And also, I'll mention really quick too. Speaking earlier on, like, oh, this should be like a movie or something like that. Yeah, uh, Trent did call this album um, the soundtrack to a movie that doesn't exist. Oh, so he definitely had some sort of cinematic idea in his head while writing it. Yeah. Now, just sort of side note question, um, like he is writing like for soundtracks and movies and stuff like that. Like that, the that's past decade, of... that's been like one of the biggest things on his agenda. So did he start doing that after this album's release? Like, did that sort of spark the creative juices um, with well, stuff like that? The earliest soundtrack work he did, aside from like making like I, I he did like dead souls by joy division for like the crow but that was a cover the the first soundtrack he did was in 1995 for the game quake oh dang so okay. uh technically that was his first foot in the door for soundtracks but like he did it on and off since but then yeah starting in in 2010 with the girl with the dragon tattoo okay. uh that's when things really took off for okay. like soundtrack work Cool. Which, cool. by the way, that soundtrack, if any, like Social Network's great, Gone Girl's great, but I mean, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is an, an amazing soundtrack. I, I listen to it regularly. Cool. A lot of good songs. I I have not. That's fine. <laughs> I uh, I didn't know what to think of this song. It To me, it kind of sounded like a like a, an idea or a riff they had that just wasn't big enough to make a song. So they sort of did this to it. They trimmed it down and all that. Um, I, I wasn't really sure what it was supposed to add or what it was supposed to really do, I guess. Cause you know, a lot of these shorter intro songs are either bookends where there's sort of a reprise at the end of the album, or it's sort of a intro into the second song, but it didn't feel like that. It felt like a standalone track, but I w- wasn't sure what it was for. Yeah. You know? I I can understand that, especially like if you feel like, well, not even that you feel, but you are new to this album. Yeah, you 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 don't know the story, and that that's fine. I mean, whatever. I I didn't know like the Deadwing story for Porcupine Tree. I didn't know Dream Theater story for Scenes from a Memory. Yeah. But um, yeah, what I feel this song is, as I said, kind of like an encapsulating preview of things to come. I I I feel like the song is supposed to represent like you're being thrown into the current state of things. Okay. Inside this inside this world. And so that's what I've kind of taken it as over the years. So that's why not only do I accept it as that, but I think it sounds really cool. I really like it. So yeah. I'm willing to accept it. Yeah. Okay. More than willing to accept it. It was okay. And I was... Ah, there's it, that signature. 
I was scared to hear the rest of the album, but in the goodness of my heart, I gave it multiple chances. I did listen to this album three and a half times. Uh, the half time is just listening to the songs that I liked. Um, but uh, but yeah, I it definitely it'll grow on me the more I listen to it. So yeah, there were there were things on this album when I first heard it that didn't sit too well with me. But I mean, like it's grown, things grow yeah. on me over time, and like again. In this episode, I'm going to try my hardest not to let my bias come out. I mean, <laughs> while I'm talking about it, maybe, but, like, my scores were very honest when I was making this album, so mm-hmm. I'll try to keep my fanboying down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. Well, I got nothing nothing else for that first one because it was only, like, a minute 40, minute Yeah, it was, it was relatively short, just kind of introducing you to the world of Year Zero. Yeah. Very chaotic. So we'll move on to the first... I guess, real official track of the album, I guess, the beginning of the end, which is also a short track. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I thought was, is this the beginning? Only because he says it so many times. This is the um, beginning. <laughs> and I put, is this like a reckoning? And then listening to you describe sort of the the, the theme and the idea, I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe that is what it is. Maybe it's the beginning of something not that good i guess i don't know that's kind of how i i felt with it and the chorus is a catchy melody that uh that kind of sticks with you after multiple listens well yeah just even when he says this is the beginning of the end which he finally completes that sentence in the chorus yeah yeah it it, it, it's fun it's catchy there's nothing like too complex about the song unless you want to talk about like the noisy ending to it Mm mm-hmm but, I mean, I like stuff like that. I'll get to it in a minute. Um, yeah, because I think that the opening minute feels very minimal because it's it's literally just Trent singing guitar and drums. Like, that's mm-hmm. it. Uh, but it works really well to kind of set the scene because you can kind of get a – especially if you listen to the lyrics, you kind of get a sense of what's going on. And, by the way, I should mention, no, not doing a lyrical breakdown. I very well could, but I decided against it. Thank you. I didn't. <laughs> I was going to say, it's kind of like Bungle. It's just going to take a long time. <laughs> yeah. Like, usually I, I, I complain if if a song can't carry momentum from one song to the next properly. Because mm-hmm. obviously, like, as Hyperpower was ending, it was very loud, very intense. And so far, beginning to the end hasn't really matched that. Yeah. But this kind of works as Hyper... As I said, Hyperpower feels like an opening credit sequence, yeah. So, like, it kind of just gives you the brief idea of what's going on, but this is the actual first real scene of the first act. Uh, so, I mean, like, it's good to have this kind of energy just to kind of, like, get you used to things, I guess. Yeah. Now, just speaking of, like, the qu- the loud ending, um, I don't know if my computer bass is just wildly out of control or if the vocals really get body slammed by the music in the second verse. Like, I was listening to it loud in my headphones, and it was just, like... I don't know. I I felt like someone was just screaming into my chest. <laughs> there was so there's I don't know. It was it was very uh, very distortion bass heavy in my ears. But I was trying to listen to the vocals, but it just felt felt like they were just a little lower. But I don't know if that was done on purpose. 
if the it, music was supposed to come forward. It might have hit that way because the bass doesn't kick until the second verse. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Trent obviously starts kind of like doing his like louder yelling or whatever type singing. Because yeah. in the first verse, it's kind of like quieter spoken, but then it gets a little more aggressive going into the second verse. So, and I mean, there's kind of like a light layer of like overdrive or fuzz or something Maybe on most songs on, on the album, to be honest. Yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, like, this one was very, this album is very anti-analog. It, like, the vast majority of it was done on a laptop while they were on tour. So, I mean, like, that's why it's okay. very digital and very kind of, like, polished in a way. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll say, too, about going through the song, like, there's a lot of layers of, like, droning notes throughout the entire song that kind of, like, I know you don't like it. Yeah. I do, though. Sometimes I do. Other times I'm like, ah, oh, it's too much. This one, because I felt like it added a lot of tension, especially with the story it's trying to tell. I thought it worked very well. It fills out the sound nicely, too. So it's just kind of something to, yeah, add like more layers just to make sure something doesn't feel too bare or empty or anything like that. I mean, that's kind of redundant. Um, I love that this can sound so noisy while the drums can sound very kind of acoustic and expansive. Like the drums weren't that distorted. They were very reverbed and they kind of sound like back of the room type drums. Okay. Whereas like everything, all the other instrumentals were like really front facing, like super polished type thing. And then like, obviously the, the glitching and digital effects that happen. So it was kind of cool to have that kind of contrast between the two sounds. Yeah. I thought that sounded kind of cool. It's a good melding of, like, two different sonic styles and sounds, so, I mean, it's something to appreciate. Mm-hmm. And it's... also, yes, we I can... Well, sorry, we're going to say something? Oh, no, continue, continue. I was... Because just with my last note, it, it talks about, like, the very noisy and, like, glitchy solo at the end, which really became a theme on this album, and, like... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess you have to like the kind of music to be ready for something like that. Because I can imagine someone listening to this for the first time and just being absolutely off put by it. Yes. and I, That's why I had to listen to it a couple of times. Because once I know to expect it, it's not nearly as jarring. But when I'm not expecting it, I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> what is going on? It, like it, the... Yeah, it, 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 I was just sorry. I was going to say it, it can be hard. Like, I, I understand. Like, I'm not going to act all pompous and be like, oh, you just can't handle it. It's like, yeah. no, I get it. It's very noisy. Although I will say, like, it, it feels interesting to have something like this in the rock world because technically this album is like industrial rock in a way. Yeah. Um, it, it's very interesting that, like, even as noisy it is, as it is, still has it still runs like very melodically. Mm-hmm. Rather than just being like random bursts of sound, like if you listen, there's actually like a melody in this noise. That's what you listen to the second time. First time you're like trying to sort through all well, the noise. Because it's jarring. It's, yeah. It's and then when you jarring. find the melody, you're like, okay, this is, I can listen to this. This is good. Yeah. And like uh, that that's kind of like what you kind of have to be used to or ready for going to something like this. And obviously listening to Nine Inch Nails past projects like the the album before this was With Teeth a very guitar driven album very rock driven album so like you come into year zero it is a world of difference maybe the downward spiral is the only thing you've heard from Nine Inch Nails so you're kind of used to these mechanical sounds but year zero really stepped it up in that thing so like yeah you gotta be ready for it I like I I feel like it's quite obvious that I'm not as much of a fan as you or a lot of You'll the songs, <laughs> I, I know, and you know what? That's fine. 
um, I feel like all the stuff that I've listened to is all just commercial, fr- commercially friendly things that are fed to me, singles, music videos, stuff like that. Um, but just from my recollection, and obviously, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like their earlier stuff, any of like the squealing and stuff was less like, I guess, computer based. Like, just, I wrong. can, yeah, I can, I imagine it as like, being in a factory and hitting pipes and you know gears and shit but with this it's very like computer dial-up sounding which i wasn't expecting because all i've heard was something else this this album was divisive amongst fans because of how different the production was because Yeah. yeah trent has always been known as perfectionist and as a matter of fact the downward spiral like being his magnum opus uh i mean People saw that as like the definitive Nine Chanel sound. The fragile mm-hmm. that came after that still followed in steps, so people loved it. With teeth went a little off the rails, like uh, of what people expected, so they didn't like it so much. And then Year Zero comes, yeah. which is just complete laptop kind of like better musician yeah, type thing. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's okay. I mean, like whatever. And he's been around for so long. Why not try something new? <laughs> well, yeah, because when you get that fan base, you know, they're going to take in what you offer them because they like you as an artist. They like you as a person. So if you can't take those risks, then really, do you have like, do you have fans or do you just yeah. have listeners? All right. Song number three, the first single off the album. And I guess to, if you've heard of the album before, the most memorable survivalism. Which, by the way, has a really cool live performance of this with the uh, security monitors behind them and everything like that. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I think I watched this on uh, Much Loud as a teenager. Oh, so you've seen the video. Oh, yeah. While I was waiting for Fall Out Boy and My Chemical Romance. Oh, you saw the censored one. There's there's an uncensored version as well. Oh, really? (laughs) You see titties and two guys fucking. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Well, then... Um, With that yeah, said. I, I've definitely, I've definitely heard the song. Um, I'd probably listen to it again, uh, even if it's just based on the fact that I've heard it before. So yeah. lis- listening to it, I was like, I know what to expect. This is, this well, is in- right. It's insanely catchy. Oh my God. Yes. The riff is easy to get caught in your head and like you can scream the chorus with them and just like, <laughs> it, it's just, it's amazing every time. Yeah. I've, I've seen this song live a handful of times. It's amazing every time they do it. Like, Survivalism's not super intense as compared to like some of the other songs coming up on the album. But I mean like the beginning still has th- these like nearly menacing undertones like running with the bass for example. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of like how that sets the mood. Uh like there's there's like a light crunch on everything too that kind of adds a nice touch. As digital as it is it still sounds kind of like shaky and kind of broken a little bit, which mm-hmm. I I kind of like that. It just it adds kind of a rawness to something really polished, which is hard to do. Yeah. But yeah, it adds grit- grittiness, so can't complain about that. I think it could have been ended sooner, like maybe just 45 seconds off of the end. I don't feel like the outro really added anything. It just sort of played close, if not the same bars until the end. So. I really like the outro. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> The, the outro gets me pumped, just as much as the rest of the song does. Oh, yeah? There's something about the way the distortion sounds and the riffs run and everything like that. And that just... I don't know. Like, I, I could I could go for another, like, three minutes of oh the same God. damn thing. Of I just love the same so much. thing. And just, I, I love how, like, at the end of the riff, the, the, it kind of, like, gets lower and kind of crushed. Mm-hmm. You'll notice, like, it's playing, like, and then... 
I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. Did not notice. It's really hard to describe, but it sounds like it kind of, the tone just drops down and gets really crunchy. And it, that happens all the way through this, uh, the outro. Too. I really like that. I think that's really cool. Yeah. But that's just me. Um, the running sequences and synths that kind of go through the verses, I think, fills out the sound really nicely, especially in the second verse, though. Like, it comes out heavy. Yeah. And, like, the extra percussion in the second verse as well kind of, like, adds more energy, which is really cool. So it's not just that constant, like, because then you have, like, I don't know, batches of extra percussion. That's all I can describe it as that kind of come through. The song. This song is literally just, like, go, go, go. Yeah. But, I mean, like, I, I would loop this song on, like, a five-kilometer run if I have to. Like, it fills me with a lot of energy. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> if they cut off that 45 seconds at the end, I'm right there with you. Uh, but that'd be sad because, like, I love the ending so much. Because actually, what I have written for that, too, is the solo slash closing guitar riff at the end is really interesting. I always feel like it isn't exactly parallel with the beat, which is true. Like, it kind of kind of comes on in on the offbeats, like, just prior to, like, the ones type thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. But it still manages to fit really nicely into the track. So, I mean, I don't know. It excites me when I hear it. Well, I can't take that away from you. That's for sure. Never. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Okay, we're moving on to track number four, The Good Soldier. And Beans Ooh. makes the first return of the year, bashing your microphone. That'll probably appear in editing. Yeah, I don't doubt <laughs> it. You're probably going to hear her meowing. Apologies to everybody. Um, I don't think you we'll ever have to stop. apologize for a cat meowing. I think people would that actually gain more views than anything. Oh, really? Hey, everybody. Here's cat. Meow, 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 meow. I could probably just clip the cat meowing and it would, that would be a fuse. <laughs> All right. Cat well, meows I wanna, on podcast. Well, I want to talk about this song. I All have right. a lot. I have a lot about this. Let's do it. Okay. So I trying to put the lid on my water bottle so the cat doesn't knock it over. Sorry. And I'll pour list. more liquor. Sorry, every, every listener. Um, okay, so I write my notes as I'm listening to the song. So some notes at the end of the song kind of contradict ones at the beginning. Oh, you don't like go back and like <laughs> fix the notes. Your cat just bashed the camera. Excellent. Views. Yay. Anyway, good 20, soldier. <laughs> tw- or 2022. 20, A lot Anyways, of twos. So uh, first note verbatim. There's no way I'm not going to like the song just from the bass in the beginning. As soon as I heard it, I was like, all right, I'm in. You've got me. You've yep. got me. Now, let's um, hope it stays it that way. And uh, what? one more note just says, funky, period. <laughs> That's it. More or um, less, yeah. I, uh, I I like it. I, I can handle repetitive music if it's not just every key on a keyboard pressed at the same time. Can we go back to Big Wreck and like that, <laughs> that piano din, 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 for the entire song? I Okay, <laughs> I did not notice that till we reviewed it, and holy shit, that is, shit is annoying. Well, yeah, you showed your frustration when we reviewed oh, it. Oh, I hated that. <laughs> but the, the bells in this, it just, it adds a contrasting lightness to it i just this i very pleasing to my ears because it's literally the same melody i i like it um and i like how it feels after the soul the hell did i write down we're gonna pass that one one because i read it going i don't remember what that means i I, i've done that several times on this show (laughs) yep i uh the bells sweet and I find that the song is interesting enough to me that I'm going to stick with it. 
and I don't want to spoil anything at the end, uh, but this song is on my just day-to-day playlist now. So thank you awesome. for that. I, I guess because you you said that to me at, at the very least off camera. Yeah. Um, and I'm try- I was trying to figure out what the songs would be, and I, I thought one of them would be <laughs> survivalism because you usually go for singles. Yeah. But I mean – I, I'm not surprised. The Good Soldier is really catchy. It, it, there's nothing too intense about it, nothing too weird about it. Yeah. So I guess it doesn't surprise me that much that this would be like on your repeat playlist. Oh, yeah. Um, I wrote like that, obviously, very catchy baseline, simple enough. Uh, and I mean, that runs through the entire song. But again, you don't really care because it's just kind of fun and plays yeah. well with everything. Yeah. Um, it pulls back just enough of the energy of survivalism because, like, survival, survivalism, very energetic <laughs> song. Not super intense, but energetic. Yeah. Um, this song, obviously, not as much so. Uh, but it didn't, like, completely sap the energy. And I usually don't like that when bands do that, where, like, you'll have this intense song and then something, like, something too soft or, like, <laughs> like a something, something that it. just changes your mind. Whereas, yeah. like, this one still kind of ran well after survivalism it, without killing the buzz. So, like, mm-hmm. I can really appreciate that. Um, yeah, I love that the bass plays, like, higher than the guitar for example in in the uh, the verses because uh-huh. like the the bass is running on like a bit of a higher note and then the guitar kind of just comes in with this like really low muddy disgruntled voice that kind of like interjects every now and then i think it's a great dynamic especially cuz like usually the dynamic is bass lower guitar higher yeah if you can do the opposite and pull it off that's fantastic and this song does a really good job of that so i'm really happy about it Nice. Yeah, I got nothing else. No, oh, you got it nothing was just else? Okay. Rave, it was just raving reviews. That was it. Raving there's, reviews, but very brief. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's uh it's 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 difficult for me to sort of describe the things that I hear because they're so manipulated computer-wise that I could just say, oh, the computer sounds good. But if I say, oh, the the uh, the keys sound good. Fuck, that could be just like a synth pad. It could be a modulated uh, guitar. So I'm like, I have no idea what I'm listening to. I have to just take the whole thing and like, do I like this whole thing? When it comes to the way the songs are like composed and how they sound, um, I'm again, I if you've been here for season one of the show, you'll know that neither one of us is really good with music theory. So we, describing <laughs> yeah. certain things is hard. <laughs> We're going to frustrate you um, guys so much. I, I want to shout out a channel, obviously way more subscribers than we have, but still Ixie Music. I want to shout out. Um, I discovered her last year. She she listens to like a lot of music like this and, and breaks it down. She's broken down a lot of Nine Inch Nails music because she fucking adores them. Okay. Um, and so she, one thing that she pointed out to me that I never realized that Trent does like a lot of like minor sixths. And again, you, you theorists out there, music theorists will know exactly what that means. <laughs> but now that I know what it is, I, I can hear it in the music and like songs like this will have that composition. Many of his songs do. I wish I could explain it better, but she does a really good job. So, I, I mean, I'll link it above my head here. XC Music, go check it out. She breaks down, she broke down the entire Downward Spiral too. So there she incentive to go see her. She's, she's fantastic. Go watch her. Cool. Um, I, I've never even talked to this woman yet. I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> pushing her video. I have to say that because like, there's a lot I want to talk about with the way Trent composes music. But I don't know how to word it properly at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. I, I know how to make music. I just don't know the theory behind it. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I do have a couple more notes uh, for this one. Uh, this is the kind of song where like an anticlimactic course works because I, I, I find like although more layers are added in the course, like obviously it doesn't like increase the energy suddenly. Mm-hmm. You have like a new guitar that comes in. You have these very airy synths that are doing these like kind of like weird harmonies. It might very well be the minor six. I don't know. Just going to state that right now before anyone bites my head off. It kind of runs on the same energy as the verse, which is kind of nice. So, like, you know, there's not too much contrast and, like, making something that sounds kind of chill, like, suddenly too intense. Yeah. Um, Some differences, uh, yeah, it adds some differences to keep the song kind of smooth and interesting. The synths are a great choice because it adds a sense of, like, calm but yet unease. So I kind of like that considering the theme of the album. So you're never meant to like feel too at peace, I guess. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I, I love the last 50 seconds of the song too. It's a great wrap up. The bass uh, starts playing that lower, muddier, distorted thing that it wasn't doing through the entire song. I thought that was really cool. The guitars play like these kind of slightly wailing riffs as it goes. And then you can kind of hear Trent singing in the background too while that happens. I don't know. Really great wrap up to the song. Really interesting track. I like this one. Me too. It's uh, it's not the last one on my list. I can it's tell the you that second much. last one on your can... list. <laughs> if it was and I give it that review, I am a dickhead. Uh, you already are, but anyway. <laughs> I would be more, I would be a hashtag new year, new dickhead. I don't know. New year, same dick, whatever. <laughs> You're the same unwashed dick from 2021. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that's that's how we start the first show. We talk about unwashed genitalia. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I can't wait. I really wish my water was vodka at this point. <sighs> yeah, then you take that extra gulp. <laughs> Santa, I clean my wanna... genitals. <laughs> don't you, don't you think you want to slow? Don't you talk to me? Don't you talk to me about my dick? Gulp. <laughs> All right, okay. next song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can move on. It's fine. Okay, so song number five, where the, the, the bleak bloops really come in now, mm-hmm. uh, at least in the second half, or for most of the song, Vessel, uh, which is a really cool song to see live back in the Lights in the Sky tour. I'm just going to mention this real quick because, like, they used to have, like, these multiple screens that would either be up or down. This one was down in front of the band, like, just behind, literally just behind the band, and, like, these effects and lights. I don't know. I, I, I don't want to go too much into it. Go look it up. It's, yeah. There's plenty of lights in the sky tour footage to watch online. <laughs> uh, when I turned on this song, um, I don't know if it just has the same tempo, same vibe, but I just started singing terrible lie at the hey. beginning of this. So I was like, Good okay, like, <laughs> like it kind of sounds like it. I know it's not just me because I listened to it multiple times. I'm like, yeah, I, I can see sort of the similarities at the beginning. Um, and it's very 90s sounding to me. So in my head, this is what Nine Inch Nails sounds like. Can I ask like. how? Um, it kind of sounds like the 90s Nine Inch Nails that I've heard previously. Maybe Pretty Hate Machine then. Maybe certain yeah. aspects of the Downward Spiral. Like just it it didn't seem too, I don't know. It, it didn't seem very modern i guess it sounded like something i've heard before which was totally welcome like i was totally fine with that um but uh, a good review (laughs) yeah yeah like i i have some more but uh they'll they'll just tack on to to some stuff you say so yeah i suppose uh, 
I do apologize if anyone finds this episode too long because I'm looking at the the audio thing from our episode right now. We were talking while I was recording prior to starting the episode, but it's at 50 minutes right now. <laughs> so this is this is going to be the longest episode, I guarantee you. Ah, y'all I don't, don't need to sleep. Okay, but yeah, uh, so obviously, like, as chill as The Good Soldier was, the jarring sounds that start this track off... Uh, I mean, they're a good change of pace, but man, if you're not ready for it and you have the volume of it, can it can get you. Yeah, Th- yeah. Thankfully, I was ready for it because 15 years have prepped me. <laughs> <laughs> um, really, um, especially if you're humming. The, so the beginning, I'm just trying to think of a way to explain this. It's completely electronic. Like there's no guitars, although live they incorporate guitars into the intro as well. So that, I think that's pretty cool. Uh-huh. But um. Yeah, it's just like, like that's the best way I can describe it. Like a lawnmower starting. But it's cool because if you hum it out, like it works really well melodically. Again, like where the noise actually makes sense and it's actually adding more to the music rather than just appearing. Yeah. So I think that's a really cool, uh, really cool thing. Very smart way of introducing this kind of sound without just throwing it in to be edgy. Um, the there's like it's multi layered and like that light crunchy distortion on the percussion as well like the 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 percussion is multi-layered it has this like light crunch all the way through it i think it's really well mixed sounds good without being like too overbearing uh do you want to interject before i keep going because Um, i can can. (laughs) (laughs) um okay so just talking about like the noise being jarring if you're not like expecting it Uh, i did make note on that um the noise at the end was annoying on my first listen but i think because i didn't know what to expect it wasn't as jarring upon multiple listens so that's definitely what's happening first time i was like what the fuck is this like what am i doing and then by the third time i was like okay i can listen to the whole song this is fine um and i don't know where in the song it is but it kind of sounds like an auxiliary chord being like disconnected. Not a fan of a lot of bleep bloops, but there is something about like that fuzzy connecting a live wire sound that I, I just think enjoy. I might know what you're talking about. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know what it is, but I, I like that sound where it kind of sounds like a, if I could replicate it with my voice, I would, but I cannot. Well, hold on. I'm going to write vessel sound on my sheet. And once we're done here, because we usually yeah. like keep talking after the show's over, I'm going to share sound. I'm going to play this song vessel. And I, I'm going to play the exact part I think you're talking about because yeah. I want to I want to know if what it is, what it is. Okay, cool. Because when I heard it, I was like, yeah, I like this. This is cool. This is cool. Because it also sounds like a horn too, like a, like a berry sax, which Trent plays berry sax, by the way. So, <laughs> really? I mean, it very well could have something to do with that. What I a think it is. Guy. Yeah, he used to be in a marching band. But anyway. Like, high school days, obviously. Dang. I know a lot about Trent. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) That was the way you said that. I know a lot about Trent. Really pretty. (laughs) That's that's awesome. Okay, so uh, back to the normal review now. Um, The multi-layered and, like, vocoded vocals uh, of the chorus are really awesome. I like it. Because, obviously, like... You you can hear him doing like harmonies in the background, just like the ah, 
Like, you can hear that. Yeah. But then, like, as he's singing, like, it sounds like a few voices singing, but it's, like, I think it's just a vocoder. I think that's what it's called anyway. Oh. Uh, but, yeah, like, he can have multiple voices through a machine rather than just doing it himself, which I think sounds really cool because it sounds, like, muffled and messy, but yeah. it fits the theme of things. I like it. Um it fills up the sound fantastically, and not to mention the harmonious background layer of vocals that kind of, yeah, as I wrote, gives sort of like a smoothness to the continued jarring sounds of the verse, which obviously continue on to the uh, chorus as well. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. A lot of fun to get through. Um, and then, yes, the breakdown in the second half of the song, the entire second half of the song. Like, do you have anything specific to say about it, or have you already kind of gotten that out? Um, well, I got just a couple more points. Um, okay. uh, so I, again, uh, may become uh, infamous for this idea, but I think it could have only been four minutes and it would have been fine. I think we would have been good, but if it's going to be as long as it is, then with all of the chaos at the the end half, it could have been served by just adding a slide whistle in there. That's it. I'm done. That was that was all I had for that song. You would say that. I would, yes. <laughs> I, I was very pleased with myself when I wrote that down as well. I wrote it down thinking, he's going to hate this. If Trent did a slide whistle, like, it would be so controversial. Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, but there's so much going on. Do you think you'd even notice I would because I've heard it enough that like, you know, when you listen to like an album multiple times, you hear something new every time. Yeah. I definitely would have caught on by now. <laughs> like, you hear you like, what, the what? what the fuck? <laughs> well, they, you'd always just distort it and flip it around. So it's like, oh, and then the song ends. Stand it on More a like it'd be like, oh, it'd be so distorted. <laughs> Even better. But that, that's all I have. I wanted to end on that note. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fired now. Uh, I mean, I did tell you about a couple of days ago that your position, like your job's on the line with this review. Yep. yep. So we, we'll have to, we'll know by the end of the episode whether or not you're still here. Yeah, it'll be fine. I'm fine. Job security. I, it's I like good. the optimism, but we'll see because I have very high standards for this one. Yeah, I know you from. Um, so the shuffling of the, uh, like the stereo mixes and like everything, especially on the guitars, the synths, the glitches, the percussion, really, too, like, the whole section is an absolute trip because there's just there is a lot going on again it works well melodically too if you really break it down and listen to it like everything works it's not just like it is kind of random sound but like you you it's hard to explain but it fits everything that's happening it it works melodically cuz you can kind of hear like certain tones and notes that kind of match everything. Yeah. So I I think that's really good. It's a lot of fun to sit through this song. Like honestly, you mentioned like it could be shorter. No, it can't it be shorter. Could. I fucking it love it. It could have been shorter. Yeah, this is the like the electronic glitchy version of like a jam session in a band. Whereas like, you know, the guitars will solo and just jam for like 5 minutes. This song is the electronic equivalent and I adore it. Um, it is fun to sit through, but I use that term sitting lightly mm -hmm. because this one gets me out of my seat every time. There, I stomp around my room, just hands up. Fucking yeah. There are some things that you'll, you'll mention that you really like through these songs so far. And we're not even halfway through. 
but I know that I have spoken on them in songs coming up, and I'm like, oh, crap. He's going to fire me now. There are three songs in particular that, oh, man. Yeah. If anyone watched episode 17, I'm going to say this because, like, this is the where I was alluding to. If anyone watched episode 17, Cynic, Kindly Bent to Free Us, amazing album, go watch the episode. Um, I mentioned that Endlessly Bountiful and Holy Fallout were, like, two big, like, kind of emotionally structured songs that I always react to in some way or another. Yeah. They're beautiful. I love them. Uh, I said they were some of the most... This album literally has one of the songs on this album is literally the most like number one. Yeah. So I'm curious to know what you have to say about that song coming up. <laughs> well, let's just hope I didn't fuck it up. And if you fucked, if you're thinking that you fucked it up, maybe you're thinking me. I'm not bad transition. But that's song <laughs> number six on the album. Now, that's right. We're finally like not even halfway still. Ah. It. <laughs> it's a long album. Sixteen songs. I do have a question, though. Cool. Um, so, okay, let me get this goddamn cat off the goddamn table. Okay, so um, there's a sort of a melodic part in the song. I don't know if it's keys, if it's like a synth pad, what it is. It's quite prevalent throughout the song. In me or not? Yeah, okay. but I don't know what it is. That's, Where is it? Verse, chorus? Oh, God. Um, it doesn't... I didn't write this down. There's um, guitar in the chorus that kind of kicks in. There's this like kind of droning sound that happens to the verse. Like, -na 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 -na. no, it's kind of like a, it, it sounds like keys because it goes up in scale, but it goes up so smoothly that it feels like it's like a pad, but I don't know what it is. It, whatever the fuck that is, it sounds a fucking amazing. And I love it. <laughs> well, I'm glad <laughs> that's you what like we're it. That's what we're getting to. Okay, that, good. I'm glad sound, we're positive. <laughs> that sound makes my brain tingle. And I don't know what instrument it is, but I this I, I could hate this song. And then as soon as that kicks in, I'm like, all right, I'm into it. I'm so into it. So Yeah, you're just you're just like, get it in my brain. Ha, huh? just kidding, stay there. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Please melt my brain out the back. Hell yeah. This this song is a really cool dark groove. I mean, like it immediately just with the bass, like boom, 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 boom. Like I, I, in with like the kind of like the slow digital drums and like the echoey drums and stuff like that. I think that's it's super cool, very chill. Like the pul the pulsing synth bass and echoing snares, they both match really well with each other. So I mean, mm -hmm. there's no denying that. Um, the verse is pretty much all the same same through uh, for instrumentally, although, like, you get these kind of glitches that kind of pop in every once in a while. Yeah. You hear this kind of, like, weird, like, it might be another minor six humming. It might be a minor six thing, as, nine, as, as Ixie Music points out that Trent does all the time. I don't know. Again, I don't know music theory. Yeah. But uh, just the, the like, da -na 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 -na, that, that thing that kind of happens in the background of the verse, that's a really nice touch. And then the guitar riff that kicks in the chorus, I, I think, is really well done. It's not too heavy. It's not overbearing. It fits the mood. So, I mean, I don't know. It's really well composed. I yeah. really enjoy that. Nice. I um, I don't have many notes for this song, um, but I I do, like you mentioned in the, the last uh, song, just sort of like jam bands, you know, everyone takes sort of their turn doing stuff. Um, I wrote that I like... My fair of jam bands, um, but like a minute and a half of the same thing at the end makes me just want to turn off the song and just go to the next one. What is with all of the long outros so far? Ah, 
Well, at least the uh, outro to this one played more with like that kind of again like synthy glitchy type solo. Yeah. Uh. So and it, it it was its own thing. So like it kind of added something else. I thought was interesting. Uh-huh. Maybe it's like the pulsing bass bass that kind of got to you after a while because like that is that doesn't change through the entire song. Yeah, I, but although it, it, it's underlaying enough, especially under the under other instruments, that it doesn't bother me that much. Yeah, I feel like I I notice it when it's sort of under like I guess the the bulk of the underlying music is sort of the same. It starts to feel droning to me, and I'm like, okay, like you know maybe go up an octave maybe just you know go up a little just add a little bit interest but when it's like that from the beginning to the end it's i'm holding on but just one little bump and i've let go and i'm like "Uh, it's not what i'm looking for i guess so i mean fair enough because i i did mention that like this song does kind of start to feel flat after a while yeah look at that an actual criticism on this album so far oh my god i don't think i've had a single one and it agrees with how I feel. Um, <laughs> it, it is until the, the final glitch solo kicks in because I thought that part was really cool. It yeah. was different. It added a little more excitement, brought back the th- like the tonal theme of the album, which I thought was really cool. It is a really chill track. It sounds cool. I just overall on this album, it feels like one of the least inspired songs. Yeah. And I mean, that's not necessarily a problem. Uh, because I still really like this song, but I mean, like, out of the entire playlist, like, I get excited for, like, the first minute of this song, because, like, it sounds super chill, super cool, dark groove, but then, yeah, it just kind of, it kind of rolls on the same thing for a long time, so then, yeah, I could see getting tired of it. Yeah. I won't change it, personally, but, I mean, I can see why this would be, like, such a tiring song to listen to. Yeah, well, because there was, I think one before this that I kind of felt the same. So hearing it a second time, I'm like, oh my God, stop it. <laughs> Did you at least listen to this album in chunks? Because it was pretty long. Oh my God, yes. I uh, I listened to them at four four songs at a time. And that's when I realized there's 16 fucking songs on this album. I like, warned you. Oh my God, I know. I, give why? You a few war- I told you it's 16 songs. It's like 65 why minutes. Even, <laughs> why, like, the, like it being 65 minutes, I'm like, yeah, sure, that's fine. But the Super amount long. of different songs, like if I listen to an hour long, like prog rock record where there's like six songs, but it's 60 minutes, like I can handle that because, you know, you have me on, you know, you have me for like a little mini series, but yeah. this felt like I was watching a movie. And personally, I am fucking terrible at watching movies. <laughs> so I am surprised that I got through this not only once, but three times. <laughs> but at least you can like break it into chunks and like yeah. not get too exhausted. Oh, I definitely would have. Oh, my Lord. Because like I, I obviously am very intimately familiar with this album. But at the same yeah. time, like I, I know I unless I'm like absentmindedly listening to this, then I have to listen to it in chunks and yeah. listening to it critically. Absolutely. I think like, <laughs> actually, I think me, I'm not is where I cut off. And then I listen to like uh, the next song up until like song 11 or 12. And then yeah. I listen to the next batch after that. Like, yeah, just yeah. so I wouldn't be like, God, I'm really tired. So what am I going to say about these songs? So like, yeah. I have to be careful. Yeah. And then the last song you're like, I hated it. This song. <laughs> Which is farthest from the truth. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's all I really have to say about me. I'm not. Yeah, me too. Alrighty then. 
We'll move on to the uh, next single on the album, uh, mm-hmm. Capital G, which, uh, again, anyone who knows Trent's Frame of Mind and about this album, this song is definitely a stab at George Bush. <laughs> Never thought of it that way. I definitely recognize the title, um, but I didn't remember the song, so I had to go listen to it. And then I was like, oh, shit, I definitely remember this. Now, I don't have too much about this one either. Um I, I, like I said, I've definitely heard it before, but it, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> it had I a minor was, run on the radio in certain alt stations, just saying. I, much loud, definitely watched it on Much Loud. Uh, this didn't have a video. No, no, no? No. Maybe that's why I don't remember listening to it, but I definitely have seen the title, like the song the, title. I, song. I, just a quick little interjection. I think survival, I could be wrong, please someone correct me, but I think survivalism was the last music video Trent made until 2013's Hesitation Marks album, where okay. he he and David Lynch made the video for Came Back Haunted. Hmm. Uh, if anyone's better at me than Nine Channels, please correct me, but I believe that is factual. Interesting. This was a single, just not a video. Hmm. Well, I wonder where I heard it from, because... Probably on an alt radio. It has to be. Maybe, but... Playlist, I, I don't know. I didn't live in a very populated area at the time, so I highly doubt it. Hmm. But I digress... Um, the chorus, super memorable. Um, it's really easy to remember even after the first listen. And I really enjoyed like the hey, hey in the background because it felt like a, it felt like a crowd backing the meaning of the song where it's like you have the one person standing at the podium saying, you know, sort of, I don't really know how to describe what I'm thinking here, Yeah, but, uh, but just sort of talking and then you got a crowd behind them backing them up going like you know you're right you're like we're with you so i got that feeling from this and and i like that it was cool and as i said like in the beginning like each each song is a different perspective of a different situation everything like that through a certain person so obviously this is like the political leader of this story um so yeah that's why like a lot of the lyrics are just like i don't give a shit about the world i just give a shit about me yeah uh like Again, I'm very familiar with the lyrics and I'm trying not to do a lyrical breakdown, but that's essentially what it comes down to in the lyrics, like without going too in depth. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the chorus, obviously extremely memorable, especially how it ends. Like, and he signs his name with a capital G. Like, you, you can hear that very clearly. So it's very easy to sing. He says, yeah. says it in a very uh, catchy rhythm, too. Uh, this song is definitely re-energized after Me, I'm Not, because obviously that was a very chill track. Uh, very bouncy beat, like very bouncy beat. Uh, commence with the dancing. Why not? Oh, yeah. Um, Trent's vocal delivery is really good at matching the bounciness, too, because like, dun-dun, 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 dun-dun. Like, that was the vocal delivery of this, and I thought that was really cool, because yeah. it's like an accent on like every other beat type thing, like not really directly on the beat. Yeah. But so I thought that was really interesting, kind of added like a, a new kind of texture to this song in like album, really. Yeah. Um, there's this like really menacing, buzzy synth bass that kind of pushes through the verses that I thought r- is really cool. Like it adds so much character to the song and kind of gives it a darker undertone, I guess, mm-hmm. especially considering the vocal content or lyrical content, I should say, of the song. So it matches up well. It, it just 
it feels weird to say that and not talk about the lyrics, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, it has a fitting amount of aggression. It matches the type of intensity brought by the drums as well, which the drums are like super hard and just like marching forward nonstop. So like I thought that was really cool. Just um, a side note with the drums. I uh, I can imagine someone just sort of uh, strutting down the street to the beat of the drums. <laughs> Yeah, just like it's it has that driving where I can actually imagine someone just walking to it's the It's a decent beat of walking that. pace song. Yeah, like, and I, I really like that. Like, it's not too fast. Like, yeah. <laughs> this I could walk a this I could walk a 5k too. That's a long walk. <laughs> um, a guitars are inserted into the song, uh, obviously, because guitars <laughs> in rock music how weird what a, what a combination but like they're very digitized like they even i i, I would i don't want to say like bit crusher but like you can tell they're not just like your regular run-of-the-mill distortion mm-hmm. uh so it is different it's an interesting choice to go with it, fil- it fits really well thematically and not just with the song but the album in general because again like this album is full of like digital effects and glitches and everything like that so why not add something like this i thought it sat very well um the chorus is really great. Uh, not only is it catchy, but like, yeah, there's like the harmonized vocal humming in the chorus. It's a perfect choice to fill out the sound because like it's something about Trent's vocal tone that works better than a synthesizer in this point. Mm-hmm. So he's just he's doing these like little minor things of like uh-huh, that kind of come at the end of each like stanza. Yeah. So I I thought that was really cool. Really good choice. And then obviously towards the very last chorus like there's harmonies planted all over it which i thought was so cool to fill out with and like really makes that particular chorus feel unique as compared to the other ones Mm -hmm. so i thought that was a lot of fun and uh my final note that i literally sent you a picture of through text message my note that just here i'll even put it up on the screen and editing if i remember room somewhere up here horns savannah do you like this one you have a history of liking horns and songs. Yeah, well, I also have a history of being a dickhead, so. <laughs> oh, you don't like the horns in this one. I may have missed them. I think because I've heard this song so often that it just sort of, it didn't register that that's what I was listening to. There was actually a horns arrangement that happened in the song, too. There's credits on the album for it. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Go back and listen to it. Change your score I, now. Well, I'll wait. <laughs> it's, it's not low, so, I mean, I'm going to keep it where it is. Okay, fair enough. Yep. All right, so we are officially like entering the halfway point of this album. Finally, my my audio meter here says a minute, uh, an hour fifteen. Sorry, <laughs> boy, howdy, uh, long episode. Yes. Sorry, everyone. Although it's probably not that long in the episode because there's going to be a bunch to cut out in the beginning. Whatever. Yeah. Anyways, my violent heart. Um, the the one thing I want to say, my very first note. Um, to anyone who knows Trent, he likes like a lot of classic hip hop as well. Like as uh, as well as a bunch of other music this song in particular the album really but this song in particular uh shout out to his inf- uh, his influence uh from the bomb squad which is uh public enemy's production team oh. so like any old public enemy record from like the 80s uh-huh. like it's the best way to describe it too is in the chorus when you hear like that squealing guitar keep kind of keep going over and over again. Yeah. That's a very bomb squad thing to do. And yeah. so that's I think that's just Trent kind of showing his love for public enemy and the production team as well. Nice. So I just wanted to throw that out there real quick. It's extremely apparent in the song. So I thought it's cool because I also like public enemy, so I yeah. definitely notice it immediately. 
I, I've heard one Public Enemy song, and it was just the one they did with Anthrax. You must have heard Fight the Power or something. Oh, okay, fine. Fight the Power and Bring the Noise. Nothing okay, else. Fair enough. <laughs> they got a lot of good tracks. But anyways. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to go up, go ahead and just spit out all of my notes because they're they're very few for this okay. one. Um, uh, and probably verbatim. Uh, see, this is what I mean. I like the juxtaposition of the soft-spoken and the loud parts. I enjoyed that a lot. And boy, is it jarring. <laughs> uh, this is what I mean when I say I want some interest because it was it it didn't seem jarring to me. Maybe it's because it all got out of my system at the beginning half. But now I'm like, okay, maybe it's going to happen. Just be prepared. Um, it's not the whole. It's not just the same thing the whole time. And there better be a song like this in the last half. That's it. (laughs) There kind of was. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking ahead, but I mean, we'll get there when we get there. Um, Depending on the way you look at it, I guess. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of like quiet layers mixed into the verses, which kind of makes it so fascinating. It's... Mm -hmm. You can say this for any song in the album, but there's you, you hear something new every time you listen to it. Yeah. Because, yeah, the, the verses are very quiet, softly spoken. We're talking like almost whisper, like low baritone talking while these very quiet like bass line kind of like chirpy little percussive things are happening. Uh, and it, it's really cool because like you can tell like there's a scene being built here and it's kind of like building the atmosphere towards it. But then you kind of realize the aggression of the scene being built when the the chorus kicks in because it's an absolute heart attack. Like, I remember the first time I heard it, I was not ready for it. And I I was wearing headphones and boy, howdy, scared the shit out of me. Because (laughs) at least you have this kind of precursor of like Trent speaking quietly. But then before the instrumentals kick in, Trent says on hands and knees, but he like screams it or yells it or whatever. And then the instruments explode in like it comes out of fucking nowhere yeah. and i literally wrote in all caps in my notes wake the fuck up it's like popping a balloon and then all the you know the instruments fall out of the balloon or hit the ground at the same time essentially it's, <laughs> it, it's the chorus is fucking it's dirty messy noisy aggressive but oh my god if it's it isn't if it isn't like a direct shot of adrenaline yeah. every single time i hear it i uh it's not my favorite song on the album now, but when I first started listening to the album, this was the go-to track. Like, this oh, was nice. it. Like, My Violent Heart, to this day, I still love it. Like, don't get me wrong. It's still way of the fuck up there. But, I mean, oh, man. I just remember how intense it was to hear this for the first time. I was like, wow, this is insane. There's a lot of layers going on, too. Yeah. Uh, in, in the chorus as well. So, I mean, there's just a lot to take in. And, I mean... I'll, I'll say this about, too, again, like the, the Bomb Squad influence and like the kind of squealing, screechy uh, guitar work that happens in the chorus. I've read many misguided ideas over the years on what that guitar portion of the chorus is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know how he achieved it. It's probably way more simple than I've been looking into. But whatever is causing it to scream out with those squeaks and squeals, I mean, like, it's very Bomb Squad, but goddamn, is it cool. Nice. I've always wanted to find a way to replicate that, but I don't know what it is. Like, 
I remember re- reading a long time ago in a, like a forum that was like, oh, it's called like a pitch fit pedal. It's custom made, blah, blah, blah. And you just kind of press it down and it makes that noise. That's not the case. I was just an idiot, like kid who believed anything I heard. Yeah. But that's that's how you get a signature sound by not letting anybody know exactly what you did or how you did it. And then that's yours. Well, Trent figured it out from the bomb squad and used it perfectly because I, I, I would swear to God, the bomb squad came in and did this track for him. Like, that's how good it is. I can imagine with the notoriety that he had by 2007, I'm sure he knew someone who knew someone who knew someone who had a recipe written in an envelope and slid under a door. To he him, probably so. knows Chuck D by name. I, I mean, don't like, fucking doubt that at all. I don't know about Flavor Flav, but Chuck D for sure, because he was definitely the better member of Public Enemy. <laughs> not even going to go ahead and say sorry about that one because it's just facts. <laughs> yeah. Flavor Flav was novelty. Chuck D was the actual meat of the group. Yeah. Anyways, that's Public Enemy. <laughs> <laughs> this is Nine Inch Nails. I yeah. I really enjoyed My Violent Heart, and we'll see how much I liked it a little later. Yep, likewise. <clears throat> All right, visible jump cut there. Woo, but not to the audio listeners. But anyway, song <laughs> number nine. Uh, we are finally at, like, past the halfway point. The Woo. Warning. So what do you got for The Warning? Uh, I like that this song isn't just droning, although I can barely hear the vocals in the verse. I don't know if I just prefer them to be a little bit more prominent, but I just, I assume kind of going into this, knowing it's a concept album that it was done that way on purpose, you know, sort of to portray a a certain idea or, you know, theme, right? So there's no, uh, nothing bad about that. Um, I do like the distorted guitar because I feel it offsets the electronic drums, but in a way that's fitting and isn't too contrasting. Yeah, like, and the thing is, it kind of interjects. It doesn't run all the way through the song. So, I mean, like, it does add an interesting element. Uh, And I also have something to say about the bass as well, which I'll get to in a second. But, yeah, um, without, again, I'm trying not to dig too far into, like, um, the the lore of the story because it's way too long to explain. Mm -hmm. Hell, in the the description of this episode, I will be certain to link the Nine Shells Wiki for Year Zero if anyone's interested because... This is a really fucking big story, but it's really fun. And this was supposed to be a miniseries, so just keep that in mind, too. Nice. As, as mentioned in the beginning. But, yeah, um, the dro- the the, uh, the noisy drum machines uh, kind of managing to sound like a synth for, like, for the first couple of hits because it's like, bam, bam, and then it sounds like drums after that or, like, very staticky, distorted mm-hmm. drums. I think that's really cool. Like, I think it's – I just literally put awesome, period. <laughs> um, I love how artists can find, like, unique ways to use effects and, like, add more to a song. Um, for example, like, you know, I don't do this often, so I shouldn't keep apologizing for it. But, like, I'm a musician, if you didn't know. I mean, I have a band called Frail State. Go check it out. Anyway, uh, a lot of my songwriting is done, like, where I will, like, even take percussion samples and just, like, add effects to the point where it sounds like a synth rather than a drum. Uh, and I, I think it's really cool and neat to do that because it's very percussive, but at the same time, it can, like, add a lot to, like, melody or rhythm. So, like, I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. So the fact that this song can do that so well with those effects, I really like that. And, yes, I am shameless, by the way. <laughs> I don't care. I want people to listen to my music. Someone bought my album recently. I got really excited. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, it absolutely is. Um, so the bass line of the song is probably one of the cleanest things about this song. Mm. Uh, very intoxicating bass line because it's very just like, I don't know, it, it's it's really wobbly, I guess is the best way to explain it. It kicks off a series of like really disorienting events throughout this track. 
Um, and I'll get into that thematically in just a moment, although I said I wouldn't break down things, but it makes sense in this context. Um, you know, as I, I actually mentioned here, because like especially with where the story is lyrically on the Year Zero timeline, it absolutely fits the narrative. So yeah, the the baseline kind of sounds drunk-ish. It just kind of sounds like it's like sliding all over, like like it just it just sounds really loose, kind of intoxicated, as I said. Um, narrative, like with the narrative of the song, again, not doing a lyrical breakdown, but I'm just going to point to it real quick. As I mentioned in the intro about like people started having to take this, we're taking this drug called Opal, which is like more popular than cocaine or heroin. It obviously just as powerful, if not more. Um, it's easy to see that like this song could be like kind of a side effect like seeing the side effects of that and because this song is the first introduction to that four-fingered hand called the presence because like the, the the second verse technically or the second half of the first verse whatever you want to call it is literally the presence talking to these people mm. and like it's a voice that they can hear inside them because he even says that in the lyrics like uh the way it spoke to us we felt it from inside uh-huh. So like it's one of those things where it's like not necessarily speaking at you, even if you're if you're seeing it, if it's real or not, it's, yeah. that's kind of like left up to debate. But like, yeah, you hear it inside yourself and th- then the entire second portion when the vocals become extremely affected, uh-huh. like and manipulated, like that's supposed to be the voice of the presence. Like you've become a virus that's like killing off its host. We've been watching you with all of our all of our eyes and what you seem to value most and like everything beyond that is presence. Yeah, like, this was a very, like, I mean, they're all story-driven songs, but this one's very story-driven. Yeah. So that's what made it, everything feel so proper. Like, it's so distorted and messy, but then the the baseline's intoxicated. So, like, you're experiencing this drug-type thing, and the presence talking, this is you experiencing this moment in real time. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was a really cool way to kind of interject that into the story. Yeah. But I can see why people wouldn't care for it if you didn't pay attention to the narrative. And, like, not everyone will. So, I mean, it can be a little weird to listen to, and I get that. I I always listen to them as if I was listening to them on the radio where they're just fed to me. Because if I I listen to it with that that thought or that knowledge, like, obviously my reviews would be, like, so much more in-depth. But it should be anyways. Well, well, <laughs> I can't listen to three weeks of an album to get the backstory and everything. But like just the way that you describe it, I, I think about it. I'm like, yeah, that that makes sense. I can see where this idea fits in with this uh, piece of like this part or this, you know, set of four bars or something. Oh, I see what he's trying to say. But as just a first-time listener, there is no fucking way I'm ever going to hear that. I would just hear it for what it is. Like, it's presented to me, and I'm like, cool. And uh, for this one, I kind of wish it was a little longer. Like, I almost never say that. No, considering some of the tracks that I've really liked have gone (laughs) on, he's like, I wish they were shorter. You wish this one was longer. Not that I wish it was shorter, because actually I, I enjoy the song, too. yeah. I, I feel like it, it felt like an intro, like an intro song to something bigger coming up where it's like it's preparing you for something. And then the next song is like, it's going to get you. So that's that's how I felt with it. And uh, overall, I like I like this song. Yeah. And what's really cool about this song, too, is I think it's placed perfectly in a 16 song set list that's telling a story mm-hmm. because like 
you're hearing about like, knowing the the theme of the story and what happens in like this whole presence thing, the ghostly hand that comes from the sky. Like it's cool that we've had eight tracks that have kind of like shown you the world that this album takes place in. Yeah, and then this song is that interjection of just like there's something watching us and is very pissed off and is warning us to like chill out. Yeah. And so like it 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 it's been watching all the events build up to this and so then this presence finally comes through and intervenes it's like hey one warning is all you get. You fix shit or you're done. Yeah, that's where you get the finger wag in there then you know they're serious. Yeah, and I mean like I think that's it's it's well placed. It's not too early, it's not way too late, not too many things have happened. Yeah. So it's just nice to know things that are kind of going on at this point and this is the point where this happens which is literally i know there's a lot going on in this story but i think the the idea of this whole the presence thing mm-hmm. this this ghostly hand from the sky is probably the most important part of the story because it really it's the turning point and the 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 life changing event that happens yeah. in this narrative so i, I it's cool that it, it doesn't appear too often there's only two songs maybe three that's ever kind of like Allure, uh, like not alluring, uh, alluding to the idea of this presence. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really cool that it's right here in the middle of the album, and then it doesn't come out till later. So, and we will get to that as we get there because things get heavier. Let's just say that much. <laughs> not, not musically heavy, just yeah. heavy emotionally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I do still have more notes, and actually, I, this is behind the scenes here. The mixing and engineering of this track is insane. Sounds just pop up out of nowhere, perfectly mixed. Nothing feels way too abrasive or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I wrote the name sound specifically. Shout out to, I don't know where where they appear or like how they contributed in what way. I just read the credits of the song. But shout out to Doug Trantow, Alan Mason, although this third name I'm extremely aware of. Uh, long-time Nine Inch Nails mixer and engineer Alan Mulder, who's been around since the Downward Spiral, so he's oh, wow. been with the band since 94. Dang. Um, the mixing and engineering is, like, second to none. It's it's amazing what they're able to do and f- what they fit into the song, how they make it seem so disorienting, and how it's supposed to fit that narrative. So it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I love it every time. Like, if I'm listening to it, like, just absentmindedly, I don't think twice about it. Yeah. But listening to it critically... Like, really drives that appreciation for me of, like, what they're doing, where certain sounds kind of pop in and out, how it's kind of going through your headphones. Like, my God, it's, it's just uh, – that's the, that's the kind of engineer I aspire to be, mixer and engineer. Yeah. So it's just a chef's, chef's kiss. I, I think I've said it more than uh, – other times in this podcast before, but multiple hands chef kiss. Like all the, <laughs> just give me your hand so I can chef kiss it for you. Like just everything. It, it's it's wonderful. Like this, like this album made me want to make music. Yeah. And then songs like this make me really appreciate the behind the scenes of like mixing, mastering, engineering, producing everything. Like it's it's perfect to me. Yeah. But. I won't say where it is, but unfortunately it didn't score too high on my list. But it's going to be a lot like Bungle where I do not hate any song, but just it has to come in an order. Yeah. But I'll just say that now without spoiling the spot. I guess you got nothing else for it. No, no, I I got nothing else. I was going to start chanting, spoil the spot. And I was like, "Eh, I'm not going to go there today. (laughs) Okay. Well, then I got one more note and that's fine. And also a fun (laughs) fact to go with the song too, which... 
Uh, there's going to be a few of these coming up, fun facts. Uh, and if there's any more that I missed, to anyone who's aware of Year Zero, please uh, let me know in the comments. I, I tried my best to look for a lot, but I couldn't find many, so let me know. Okay, so this last note, it's great listening to how some of the instrument, instrumentation gets louder and a little more jarring as the message of the song becomes much more serious, Mm-hmm. Especially in the last portion of the track where he's like, your time is tick, tick, ticking away. Mm-hmm. Because, like, it's it's the final warning, like, fix your shit. This is it. You don't get anything else beyond this. Uh. And so then beyond this, the fun fact. Uh, the very final portion of the song, you just hear this kind of, like, weird, weirding static. Mm-hmm. Fun fact. If you play that static at the end of the track through a spectrograph, which you can actually do on Audacity, which is a free program anyone can download, you can see the hand of the presence in the sound. Really? Google it. I'm not even fucking kidding. You can see actually pictures on Google. You just hear static and then like you hear it gets really high pitch and quiet and then it comes back down. Look at the spectrograph. It's literally the hand of the presence. God damn. They thought that that shit out hard. Yeah, yeah. Fucking hell. I think that's amazing. So, yeah, please, like, people, like, get into this album. Even if you don't like the music, get into the story. It's fucking amazing. God damn. I never would have even known that. I was a part of the original ARG, uh, alternate reality game to the people who don't know. Year Zero was an ARG. It was a brand of marketing. that Trent doesn't like to call it marketing, but it definitely was. Uh It was... It was a wild time to be a Nine Inch Nails fan. I'll say that much. <laughs> Never know what to expect. And knowing that you're, you know, treasure hunting with everyone else. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Another visual cut because it's such a long episode anyways. But audio listeners, again, you don't know. But any- well, they do now if you keep bringing it up. I have to. Because the visual, <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the YouTube viewers know by now. It's like, wow, that's weird that they keep cutting. Anyways, it's a long episode. Song 10 we can finally get on to. God Given. What an interesting song. Again, lyrically, thematically, I love it, but not doing that, so we can just talk about the song in general. I feel like I would know this is Nine Inch Nails even if I just heard the music and didn't hear it before, no vocals. It To me, it has the vibe that I would expect. Or, or or a similar vibe to what I have heard in the past. Which is weird because I see this as a song that, I mean, I mean, you're probably not, obviously not familiar with like the future stuff that comes out. But like uh-huh. this, this reminds me of something I might hear on the album Hesitation Marks. Maybe okay. like a little bit. I don't know. Nine Inch Nails fans, like, do you agree with me on that one? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm just trying my best here. But yeah, like, I don't know. In, in the past, I'm just trying to think of where it would fit in. But anyway... Uh, yeah, what else you got for God Given besides this uh, sounds like the past? <laughs> it, uh, it sounds angry, and I like it. More um, or less, kind of, yeah. Uh, I can picture this being played at an industrial rave. Um, I, I definitely can see it. Um, the length seemed super appropriate. Didn't want it shorter, didn't want it longer. I yeah. definitely enjoyed it for what it is. Um, and I don't know what it is about him saying god given but it's it sounded it like it sounded like it should be at the end of the chorus like i wanted to hear it repeated so by the time i got to the end of the song and he did repeat it i was like oh thank god (laughs) because it's just the way he says it sounds so pleasing to me that i wanted to hear it it sounds like a weird like gargled uh like voice like as i just mimicked a minute go god yeah. give in. i like it it's it's it definitely sounds like it it's the punch of the end of the chorus and i i like that oh. 
And the more I listened to it, the more I was kind of appreciative that they didn't put it or he didn't put it in the chorus. And that at the end, I kind of got the payoff of what I wanted at the beginning. Well, because I, I, I especially again, not breaking down lyrically, but lyrically speaking, I think because like the whole song is like a preacher speaking, like one of those bullshit evangelist oh. preachers, like because you can hear like the racism in this song as well, like. Uh, the second verse. Wait, step into the light. How can this be right? I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Guess you cannot win with the color of your skin. You won't be getting into the promised land. Like, well, ee. shit, that is very, very white evangelist, evangelicist or whatever the hell it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Like te- televangelists. So, what, yeah. Like Joel Olstein or whoever yeah, yeah. those monsters are. Yeah. Kenneth Copeland. Sorry, not sorry to anyone who follows that. Cause I mean, Whatever. I don't want to get into that. Don't want to get into politics. Don't want to debate religion. (laughs) But anyways, this song definitely has all of that in it. Sorry, what was the note? What were you just saying before? Because I kind of like lost track of what I was saying. Um, That the length is appropriate. I like that. Uh, I can picture it playing at an industrial rave. um, And that I just like the way that God Given was said and the payoff of getting it him saying it a couple oh, more yeah, times okay. at the end was good. Yeah, okay, I got you. So what in my head, uh, I'll say it now before I forget again, um, <laughs> the way God Given is said is obviously very different from the rest of the vocals because, like again, it's this kind of garbled, gargled, God Given type thing. Yeah. I like think that's devil. like an that's an internalized uh, like thought of this preacher speaking, like as if he's like God's choice to the world type thing. So I think it's like an internalized in your head type voice. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's right, but I, I take it as that. And, like, it feels appropriate in that context. Yeah. Because everything else is pretty clean. Um, and I'll get into the chorus in a minute because I really like the chorus, too. Yeah. Very first note, there is, ah, yes, a song about religious priority and intolerance. But, ooh, it's very dancey. <laughs> <laughs> it's so dancey. What a dance track it is. You said industrial uh, industrial rave or whatever like that. Dance yeah, club. yeah. Yep. I mean... To be fair, uh, Pretty Hate Machine, their album, the debut album for 1989, was played in a lot of industrial goth dance clubs. So, I mean, yeah, I don't hey, doubt that at all. He, he wouldn't feel out of place in a place like that. <laughs> <laughs> I love how the verse kind of builds more and more as you listen to it. It sounds pretty simple. Like, you got the drums kind of, like, it's literally just percussion and Trent at that point, like singing. Mm-hmm. But then as it goes, like, the beat starts to build more kind of, like, sounds and layers start to kind of, like, come in over top. Trent's cha- – he changes his tone from being kind of, like, quiet and, like, casual speaking to, like, a little more of a, a louder, aggressive tone. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. That the, 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 the kick and snare become much more pronounced, which is really cool. It adds a lot more of that – again, that danceability to the song really, like, like accents the beat. And it all leads to, like, a really heavy dance course. I mean, like, that it, it's such a cool course. I love it so much. Yeah. The course has, like, this crushing bass synth that only kicks in every once in a while. Like, in the beginning of, like, the first few bars of, like, of the course, I guess, or stanzas, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. I thought I think it's a really cool touch. It doesn't, like, drag out. I like how it's not, like, an appropriate, not, not appropriate, but it's, like, not a fully fledged bass line. It's just there to add accent. I like it. Uh, you have the very evangelistic, evangelist choir like vocal harmonies uh, of vo- uh, of Trent saying, and it gives us light, and it sees like blah blah blah, and all that kind of stuff. Like I thought that was really cool. Uh, yeah. The angelic synth like harmonies, or they are really a synth that kind of go on top of 
I guess underneath that, like it's kind of like more buried in the background, but like it just adds another layer of like higher pitch sounds that are very fitting on top of everything, especially that crushing bass that bass that happens. I love that. Mm-hmm. It's a really fun track, and thematically, though, I love it because it's very manipulative. Yeah. Uh, l- lyrically, again with the story, because it's a preacher just trying to sell people in this religion that's he even knows is bullshit kind of thing. So I mean, yeah. like. I, I that's the point. So I love how manipulative it is because of the the story. Yeah, it's great. I I don't I don't really have much for this that I haven't already said, other than that little bit of whispering. I hated that, but that's just personal preference. Um, I I definitely see how it fits with sort of that creepy kind of i don't know slimy feeling i guess sketchy preacher yeah (laughs) and like without even knowing that i kind of got that vibe uh yeah i hate the whispering makes my spine crinkle but that's just personal preference that's literally the when have you liked that kind of stuff in any episode we've done (laughs) never except there was a song previous in the album and he whispers but it it has some voice to it where it's like you're whispering like this where you can hear my voice but when somebody whispers like this fuck off i fucking hate that there's a reason for it though (laughs) well yeah yeah that's that's why i'm like i i want to make it known that it's just personal preference i hated that part but for this song that is literally my only like criticism for it so if that's it and it's only personal preference i'd say that's a win and I think it only it only happens twice in the song very briefly. Yeah. So I mean like it's not like it's so much that you're just you have to stop listening. Yeah. I did do a pull the headphones off the ears until it was over though. Um I I I I actually wrote a, a brief note about that portion too. The whispered portion, which happens twice, and the lyrics are, I would never tell you anything that wasn't absolutely true that hadn't come right from his mouth and he wants me to tell you. Mm -hmm. Even saying that was tricky, because saying it at that speed is actually a good test of articulation. (laughs) Now now that I hear the words, I see it. It, It's it's the preacher getting in your ear just being like, I'm completely honest about what I'm doing and this is why you should believe me. Yeah. So, I mean, like, <sighs> thematically, again, I, I know you don't like it, but it it works for what the song yeah. is trying to say. Like, this sketchy piece of shit trying to sell you religion type thing. I wouldn't tell you a lie. He literally spoke in my ear, and I want to repeat these words to you. Like, like Moses in the bush or whatever, like, uh, the Mormons in the fucking hat thing or whatever. I don't know. I know none of that, but when you say speaking the ear all like oh he's speaking to me, I'm like, yeah, through a headset well, from backstage. You, you know about the Ten Commandments. I mean, like that was done by Moses listening to a burning bush. I didn't know that. I don't I I am very, very un, uh uneducated with religion and I live my life happier because of it. Uh so we can move on now. Uh, song number 11. God, we're still going. This is great. Like, I I actually don't <laughs> care because I love this album so much I could talk about it for an entire day. Yeah. But we're getting close to the end, so I mean, we can keep going. Meet Your Master, song number 11. What do you got? Okay. Do you want it all or do you want it in bits? How much do you got? Uh, not very much. Okay. Um, then just, <laughs> shoot me. Do it. Okay. So the preceding songs definitely prepared me for this. Uh, way more understanding of where this was going. So that was pretty cool. Um, This song, okay. 
Now, I don't remember if this is in uh, House of a Thousand Corpses or nope. Devil's Rejects. No, nope. not the song itself, but the image I see. Oh, okay. Where, where like, <laughs> somebody is, like, tied up and they're playing, like, really happy music, but they're, like, cutting them up and stuff. Um, but I am, both. I imagine that scene, but with this song, where it's, like, someone's either getting tortured or they're having sex. And that's what I picture with the vibe of this song. Um, it does give me like a feeling of like a loss of control, I guess. Um, and Which I don't essentially it is. Yes. I don't know if at about three minutes, it's like a full on like strumming bass, but that was cool. Whatever that was. Three it's minutes. in around around three minutes. in. I'll have to listen to it again because I think yeah. that might be like towards the end of the song, I guess. I think so. Yeah. But was, I it, was it, it still sounded, the chorus at that point? I don't know. It's I can't remember. I, I can't recall. Only after okay. a couple listens, I can't really pull that out too much. Um, but it does. To me, it sounds like a strumming bass. Definitely welcome. I like that. And uh, the chorus is memorable and somewhat catchy. But yeah. The echoing of Meet Your Master at the sort of middle to end, uh, I just kept wanting to go, Master! Master! And they're just saying Master of Puppets. Master of Puppets and Pulling the Strings! <laughs> yeah. I don't even know the words. Master of Puppets. <laughs> Master of Puppets something pulling strings. That's yeah. Pulling <laughs> but yeah, that, that, that was all I had for that one. So many more likes. And uh, my my only, I guess, negative is that I consistently thought of Metallica at the end. That's not really a negative. <laughs> I mean, Master of Puppets is a good album. Yeah. Meet Your Master. Uh, so my time to talk about it now. That fucking bass. My God. I The tone of the distortion is something that I have personally, as a musician, have spent so much time trying to find for my own music. Like, not that I'm trying to copy Trent, but I love that tone. And so if you have this tone in your music, guess what? I'm going to like it a lot. <laughs> the, the distortion's perfect. I, I think the best way I've ever described it is rocks on, like, vibrating on tinfoil. Like, I, I don't know how else to describe it, but, like, it's kind of like you put it, yeah, like, ro- like a sheet of tinfoil on top of the speaker. You put rocks on top of the tinfoil. Yeah, then you play your bass, rock. and then that sound that comes off the rocks is shaking around. Sounds oh. pretty innovative. It's that... If you literally do that, that's someone listening to the album going, how did they do that? And you're just like, it was easy. And I bet it's pretty easy. Trent was probably just fucking around with some knobs. Like, hey, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And then just marks down what he did. Has no idea prior. I, I, I made a song that had a bass distortion that, like, kind of got towards that area. And I'm I'm still happy with it. But, I mean, like... It's not the same. Like, the, I don't know how he did it, but he did such a good job. It drives the entire song, too. Like, that tone drives the song, even through the courses. So, yeah. just, it excites me to listen to. Um, there's really erratic guitars, like, throughout the verses and courses that are just really awesome. Like, they're not your conventional riffs to throw in. But, like, it adds to the mood. Because you did mention, too, like, you, you felt like there was, like, a loss of control. Yeah, yeah. And as far as I'm concerned, like, I again, correct me on this, Nine Shells fans, if I'm getting this incorrect, but, like, this is, like, a point in the story where you kind of capture one of those people, one of the resistance groups have captured the peop- one of the people of power, and just, like, you've controlled us for this long, now we have you. Mm-mm. So it is, uh, to me, a, like, a, yeah, it absolutely is a loss of power. Yeah. 
and that's why it's saying it's time to meet your master because I mean like you, you like you've made quite a mess here under your stewardship. You thought you'd figured it out, but you've you've earned your place in this. Meaning yeah. just like you're not above us. You are one of us. Like Yeah. So I think that works out perfectly. And like the ending is really cool too. I like like the really kind of dizzying feeling of the off putting like the ooze that Trent does throughout the vocal harmonies. Yeah. That's on top of like cuz pretty much the outro is like the chorus but without vocals. Mhm. But then those like harmonies, um, they they sound really cool. Again, very dizzying, disorienting, but it carries out the track very well. Yeah. I thought this song felt a lot shorter than it actually was. It's four minutes and nine seconds. I actually wrote down that time specifically, but like, I thought it was way shorter. Yeah. You just you did you want more to it or? Not that I wanted more, but just, like, I always thought, like, the song was, like, three and a half minutes. Like, it, it doesn't feel like it stretches out as far as it does. Yeah. So, obviously, the time doesn't bother me. Yeah, yeah. I Again, I love the bass. Uh, well-constructed song. I, I, I guess because, like, you know, as most people have been, like, an employee in a position where you don't really like your boss or the higher-ups. This is one of those songs that if you read the lyrics, you can just be like, this is nice. I like yeah. this. Yeah, I, I like, like I like feeling that I have power now. Like, yeah. Lyrically, this song could be a 10. Like, it's not a 10 on my list, but it's still pretty high. Um, yeah. But just like, yeah, I enjoy it for those reasons. Just just a side note I was thinking about when, when you were saying um, that, like, you've earned your place in this, that you're not better than us. You are one of us. I just a, a kind of aside, it's fucked up to think that, to think like all of these people that we hold in such high regard, they just go home and they sleep in a bed like I do. They poop on a toilet like I do. Sometimes they got to take their dog out and pick up the dog's poop. Like these are just normal, not normal in quotes, but like just day to day people. And it's like, that's just wild to me. That it's like there's such a power dynamic with just normal people. You know I, I, mean? I feel like – okay, this, this is one of those controversial stances here. But like yeah. just – I feel like anyone in a higher position of power – this doesn't go for absolutely everyone. Obviously, there's exceptions to the rule. But generally speaking, anyone in a higher position of power that has control over like the laborers essentially, mm-hmm. I feel like you're either sociopathic or narcissistic. Because I mean like – the, the fact that you can you can feel so comfortable with, like, really forcing a lot of shit onto people that you mm-hmm. know is likely going to make them miserable. It's like, oh, it's best for business. It's like, yeah. fuck you, how about? Like, yeah, I've yeah. been in those positions personally when I've been working in certain industries. I've worked in many jobs in my life. And I've worked in, like, you know, I've worked in the food industry, like, the, the manufacturing industry. I've worked in recycling industry. I've worked in, like, the fucking print industry. I've worked mm-hmm. in these big complexes to have people like that and i can say like this song makes me feel good when i hear the lyrics yeah yeah it's like those people you just look at me going you are no better you're just you know you are me with a bigger paycheck that's all you fucking yeah yeah and you have to wear a tie that's it wild to me wild there's a rant i can go on but i won't because it's irrelevant but just i'm certain a lot of people can agree when i like anyone listening chances are you agree with what i just said wild yeah but only if we could move on to the greater good oh wait we are (laughs) yeah that was pretty good that one was pretty good 
uh, the greater good, at, depending on which way you see it. But I think the greater good is <laughs> avoiding that kind of shit. But anyways, yes, number 12 on this album, the greater good. What do you got? Uh, I first listen, <clears throat> I wasn't sure what to make of it. A um, couple listens after, I, I like the piano. Somehow it makes it more spooky than just like the low speaking whispering. Because like to me, that's like off putting enough. But then having sort of a slow kind of brooding feeling piano, I'm like, ooh, this. all it needs is like a, a whistling, howling wind behind it. And I'm like, oh, Halloween, freaky. But uh, I didn't think I would care for it when it started, but I'm finding myself sort of just drifting with it. Like I'm, I don't know, it kind of picked me up and was like, you're not going to listen to this. You are part of this now. And then I just sort of listened to it. I did have to go back and listen to it again so I could actually review it. But uh, I could definitely put this song on when I read or when I do work or anything like that. It's it's just one of those ones that it's just, it's droning, but not in a really loud, I can't hear my own thoughts droning. It's like a, I don't know, I, I kind of liken it to like those lo-fi youtube channels you put on to work to i love those that's that's the feeling i got from that where it was just i'm listening to it and i'm like i'm okay with this i'm okay with all of this and it i uh, yeah i could have been longer like not in the album but for me i would have liked an extended you can loop it essentially. yeah like an extended 27 minute version i, w- I would accept that you probably could too because they, they're there used to be um, source files for for remixing the song on your own, like oh, the really? entire album essentially. So like you could download these source files of the music and yeah. completely remix it in your own image. Dang, uh, I, I don't. Know it used to be like remix but yeah, that doesn't exist anymore. I trust me, I checked because yeah. I I actually once did a remix, but it's like long lost. I mean, oh, long oh. ago. Mm. And also, I was just getting started in production at that point, so it was probably trash anyway. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Um, this song is, is is very interesting to me because I mean like very minimal there is vocals but it's very minimal like it's certain phrases and words repeated because like thematically through year zero this song is supposed to represent like the control that this this government has on you mm-hmm. like especially with the, the the repeated phrase of breathe us in slowly like so because that's supposed to be like I think that's supposed to be part of the whole, the whole parapin thing because parapin in the story it's not a real drug, but in the story of Year Zero, yeah, they put it into the the water supply so that way you drink it and like it's supposed to make you like kind of complacent and just like apathetic oh, to like the world zombie. around you. Yeah, it's supposed to make you like not oh. give a shit what the government does, even if it's like really shitty. You're just like, oh, that's that's cool, whatever it makes us safe and happy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so like that, I think this is supposed to be kind of like a representation of that. Just saying, like, just I know shit's bad, but here, drink the water. Just stay hydrated. Yeah, yeah. Quote it's unquote like throwing, hydrated. Throwing a blindfold on where it's yeah. yeah. Hey, I I personally like I I really like this track. There's a lot of anxiety in it because like I mean everything feels so disconnected but like it still it makes the song feel so much more immersive in that way because i of what i believe the uh the imagery is supposed to be mm-hmm. it's a great thing considering like the vast lack of vocals too because usually like you take lyrics are supposed to take you on like a journey but like you know people like us for example can enjoy an instrumental track and appreciate where it's trying to take us essentially yeah. 
Yeah. And like, not everyone's like that. Like, you know, my own mother, for example, hates instrumental tracks really? with a passion. It has to have vocals or, or it's a toilet break, either or. Like, oh, wow. I, I don't get it. So, like, YYZ is not her thing. But, <laughs> but yeah, like, I don't know. The song does really well to tell its portion of the story. I love it. It might seem fairly repetitive because, I mean, realistically, it is vocally, instrumentally, it is. But I feel it's kind of welcomed only because of the message it's trying to portray. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we've gone a long way through this album so far, so it's kind of nice to have a place to pull back every once in a while. Yeah. Like, we're on song 12 of 16. So, I mean, like, the fact that we can just, like, mindless turn. I said. What this exactly what the song wants us to do? Turn our brains off for a few minutes. Yeah, yeah. So I I love how like even not knowing the theme of the story, you can turn your brain off and just enjoy the track. But then thematically, it wants you to turn your brain off. But you know, at times like that, I'm confused. Like I'm sort of conflicted between. Oh yeah, I definitely got the point of the song without knowing it. Like kudos to me, thumbs up. And god damn it, I fell for it. I fell for the trap. That just goes to show how good the composition is though and how how smart the songwriting is. Like Trent is a fantastic songwriter like through like compositionally like I think the Fragile is one of the best albums they've ever released but like mm-hmm. even into albums like this and experimenting with like just strictly digital production like he still knows what he's doing like he set out to write a story tell that story and boy did he and this, this song is one of those examples yeah I I don't have much bad to say about it other than I don't like the whispering but it is a it is cal- a song I, I put it is a calmer brackets lol a uh, song than the last couple because it's not like calm but it definitely you know it's calmer and i like yeah it. but the thing is like the whispering makes sense considering it's yeah. it's supposed to feel subliminal i guess yeah like obviously it's it's more obvious than subliminal when we're listening to it but like in the aspect of the story it's like the subliminal messaging to the the populace of like we are in control just breathe us in slowly like, yeah so I think it works really well. But again, I'm trying not to go by lyrical context, but it makes too much sense. I can't. Yeah. Well, you are making me feel like a genius for sort of getting a lot of these points without Trent knowing they like exist. Well, you're bringing them to my attention. So I thank you for that. All righty then. We are getting into the last four songs. God damn, like my audio thing says two and a half, like two hours, 15 minutes. This is a long album. A and woman I- needs to sleep. I need to sleep too, Jesus. <laughs> I'm here too. But anyway, song 13, The Great Destroyer. So I'll get this kicked off, I guess. Uh, yeah, like yeah. The, the, mixling, the mixing and shuffling and nonstop programmed drums are like hypnotizing in this song. So well done, nonstop. And also throwing in the guitar that kind of feels out of place and not to mention it has like a really excellent tone. Like the guitar tone in that verse is something again i wish to match kind of like meet your master with the bass mm-hmm. that guitar tone is so fucking good i love it so much i know it's tuned down i gotta find a way to do that but it it seems really like it seems to really complement the drums in kind of like an opposite to track kind of way because you have a very digital drum structure with these like kind of cleaner guitars i guess so i, I don't know mm-hmm. i thought that was really cool uh the vocal melody is interesting to my ears i very much enjoy that and the I guess the vocal upturn at the end of the chorus where he just sort of goes, I don't 
Great destroyer. Yeah. And he goes, up, yeah. I enjoyed that. I just put asterisks, thumbs up. Um, And uh, as the song goes on, I'm not, I can't recall if it was halfway or closer to the end. Uh, I put in all capital letters, laugh my ass off, drop the beat, and then an asterisks, robots yelling. That's probably literally the second half of the song. It's kind of like Vessel where the first half is like a song and the second half is like noise. (laughs) Yeah. Like I would have liked like the end to revisit the beginning, but I felt like this had to be representative of something within the story or it connects to the following song because it did feel like it was two different things. Like I didn't, I kind of wanted it to sort of end how it started or sort of go right into the next song where the next song starts like this one ends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do have another, like, one of those fun facts about this song, too. Another Easter egg I'm very aware of in this one. And you may have even picked up on it during the noisy portion in the second half. Maybe not. I don't know. But I'll, I'll mention that as we get there. Um, the noisy chorus does a lot to add, like, tension to an already unsettling structure and composition to this song. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, like, it adds a little more than the verse had there's still a lot going on, so there's, like, a lot to comprehend. And even, again, thematically, like, it is pretty tense as it is. So, I mean, everything fits really well. And that's kind of all I have for the first half of the song, because then it gets into the second half of the song, which is literally the entire fucking breakdown. Yep. The the glitch synth fucking go-nuts-heavy portion of this track, which, again, another portion they do super cool live and they even add a portion of a song called Happiness and Slavery, which is kind of like this chuggy drum beat in the middle of that song. They mm-hmm. add that to this th- that portion of The Great Destroyer. That's a whole other story, but it's really fucking cool. Um, so, I mean, maybe I'll just read this as I have it written. Uh, yeah. The breakdown. Holy shit. I can see where this may put a lot of people off. It's incredibly abrasive, chaotic, and unpleasant in the sense of a typical song structure. But like the other kind of like noisy portions of certain songs, it still manages to hold structure, rhythm, and melody if you really pay attention to it. I I would love to know exactly how many layers were thrown into the manipulation of like the entire thing because it's like an abra- it's like a barrage. It's like an assault on the senses. Mm-hmm. It's fucking- robots yelling in your ear at you from all directions. Yeah, they're they're kind of going through their own, their own little fucking internal war here. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, yeah. so I I do as I said I do have a fun fact for this one. Yay. So during that big loud noisy breakdown, you might notice at one point the sound kind of compresses heavily into the center channel. It sounds very different from the rest of the track for a very brief amount of time. If played in surround sound or you use audio software to isolate the center channel, kind of like again Audacity. You can hear a voice say Red Horse Vector. And uh, Red Horse Vector in the Year Zero universe is an Ebola-like virus created for use in war in, yeah, pretty much biological warfare, chemical warfare. So, yeah, like that's just another Easter egg thrown in about that universe. So I thought that was really cool. Mm -hmm. It's hard to hear if you're just listening to headphones because, like, you can still hear the drum beats really distorted and maybe, like, a bit of, like, a, a bassy sound behind it. Yeah. But if you do center it, you can hear a voice say Red Horse Vector. Weird. So I thought that was really neat. Again, something I discovered a long time ago, and you can read it on the Nine Channels wiki. It's 
I love how they insert shit like this. It's it's really really cool. Kind of kind of feels like something that would be part of the uh, that ARG where it's like you hear that and then that you fit that into somewhere and that brings you to a web to a website and then it continues on. It's like holy, you're shit. accurate. You're actually yeah. completely accurate. That's exactly what it did because <laughs> oh there God. is there was like a, a, a video clip online that you could find of um, the, the this terrorist group testing Red Horse Vector on like a U.S. diplomat and you can mm-hmm. watch him like seize up and bleed from the fucking eyes and die. Oh my. Uh, it's all part of the ARG. Obviously, no yeah. one actually died, but the idea is just like, yes, you could actually find shit online through like this ARG hunt of someone actually being killed by AR uh, uh, Red Horse Vector. So I guess really all you had to do is just look up what that is. No, it was or is it far harder, more complicated. Harder like, than that. Things that I couldn't find the clues to, but other awesome Nine Inch Nails sleuths did. Yeah. So they found it, posted it online, then the rest of us got to, like, bask in that glory. Dang, that's wild. It really is. And uh, one last note for the track. The final trail of noise is fitting to fade out as it, uh, kind of as it is. Um, mm-hmm. it, it leaves kind of like the chaos of the song behind, because obviously that noisy portion is extremely chaotic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, my throat's kind of drying up here. Um, it kind of leaves that chaos behind and immediately blends into the next track, which we're going to get into in just a minute, yeah. um, which is an emotional and timely change of pace because you just went from this angry, aggressive track to song 14, another version of the truth. I I have some decent things to say about this, but I, I know you're not too heavy into these kinds of tracks, so I'm very curious to know what you have to say about it. All right, well... I'll, I'll let you take a drink of water and uh, I will just spew my opinions. Um, so the, I, I don't know, I, I guess to my recollection, it kind of sounds like a foxy. It's really difficult for me to describe these electronic sounds. Cause I'm like, it's a beep. It's a bloop. Went, like, I have no idea. So all There's I wrote a was lot in this song. Well, all I wrote was the very beginning feels like I'm waiting for someone to answer a touch tone phone where it's okay, like, in, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah instead of the ringing, you just kind of hear that low droning, like boom kind of thing, whatever that was. Cool. <laughs> um, this, I felt this song was needed where it is like a glass of water in the desert where you're just like going on and on. And you're like, Oh my God. Like I just, I needed something. Not, there you go. Topical. Um and uh, <laughs> I, I felt nervous waiting for a, a loud sort of bam, like a, you know, break through the door and more, more everything. But no, just piano. That was it. Not only that, it got quieter. <laughs> and I my last note of this, because I very much enjoyed it, but I didn't really have too much to say other than I liked this. Um, I will accept more robot sex noises after this song because I feel relaxed enough to handle it. And you kind of get that in the next (laughs) track. Uh, But we will get there when we get there because, um, okay, I I will say this straight up. I mentioned earlier about the Cynic episode, Endlessly Bountiful, Holy Fallout, where I felt so emotionally connected to a track. This is the one where I said the most emotionally. And I'll I'll get into that as we go. Uh, this this song is everything to me, to be honest. Um, the entire first half of this track feels like the build up to an anxiety attack. 
because like it starts quiet, but it starts to like build in sound and volume, and like it, it kind of gets a little unsettling. So like you know you start hyperventilating type thing. You can feel your heart beating a little faster. Like it it, it gives you those feelings. Uh, it's it's really kind of crazy how it can do that, despite the fact there's not a lot going on. I guess. Mm-hmm. But like the the piano in this entire song is so beautiful and so haunting at every point it plays. Like, there's no point where you're tired of it. There's yeah. no point when it's not packing an emotional punch behind it. Like, it is it just... Trent has such a way of composing music. Like, I'm not even certain how to describe it. Again, Ixy Music, go check that out because she's way better at this than I am. Uh, especially when it comes to Trent's music. Um, it just There's something about the way he writes that hits so differently than most other bands that you can listen to because, like, he goes, like, the off path of composition and even if something sounds basic, he adds something to it that, like, stands out. Like, oh, that sounded really interesting or cool. Yeah. This song is full of that. It's just on the piano alone with the droning in the background. So a couple of notes I have here. Um, the second half of the song gives me chills every single time. and Really? There, there's a reason to it because I'm going to explain a little bit about what I believe this is in the plot. Like, again, didn't find too many detailed notes, but it's how I feel about the plot. It feels like this point in the story is where everyone kind of realizes that they've lost and it's nearly all over. Mm-hmm. The feeling, it's a feeling of peace, but overlapped with like, obviously like dread and sadness. Uh, it's, it's like the worst of everything is behind you, but now it's just a matter of time before everything ends. Because like the, the beginning of the first half of the song, anxiety build up, but then it's like so peaceful in the second half, but you know that like, there's a catch, obviously it's not just peaceful. Mm-hmm. And so I believe it's like the idea that everyone up to this point Fucked up the entire world. That warning gave the presence gave you a warning in song nine. Clearly didn't fix your shit. And so yeah. this is the point where the warning the, the presence is like, We gave you the warning. That's it. This is it. So this is stage one of that end. Mm-hmm. And the next couple of songs are gonna add on to that. It's like the the whole album ties in, but the next the, the last three songs specifically are like mm-hmm. all this like ending story. You know, when you're talking about it being a concept album and just sort of the story itself. When you talk about that independent from the album, if you're just saying this album is about this, it's like, okay, cool. That's fine. But once you start to assign certain songs to certain scenarios or ideas, to me, that becomes way more freaky and scary and real. And I hate it. And thinking like, Oh, we gave you one chance and now you're fucked. And it's like, okay, you say that as a story. I'm like, okay, whatever premise, whatever. That's fine. But then you listen to the song and you hear that and you're like, Oh, I don't like that. It's very unsettling. And it's like, it, it brings that story to life once you get the context. Oh yes. Um, a couple things I'll say on that. First off, um, if you really want to get freaked out and potentially have an existential crisis, sometimes read the <laughs> plot of Year Zero in full, yeah, and then compare it to our modern day and see how no, many similarities. No, no, no. I thought of doing that, it's and fucking, I'm like, I'm not into it. No, nope. it's actually realistically nope. scary how it's many just... similarities there are between something Trent and Rob Sheridan. Shout yeah. out to that guy; he's fucking amazing. I love Rob Sheridan. That they wrote 15 years ago. It makes and me it so uncomfortable. So well, no, to I what's happening it. today. No, I hate it. 
Again, not trying to get political, but my god, it fucking matches way too well. No, I hate it. It's too real. I hate it so much. But I will say this on a kind of a different note from it, too. Like, this song, to me, I can listen to it in any mood, and it immediately grabs me. Very, very rarely will I say, like, oh, no, not today. I can't listen to this. Even if I'm in the best mood in the world, I hear this song, and I just... Something in me just sets me down, down. and I'm just... I listen to it and I'm like, I'm not sad, but like in this kind of emotionally reflective state every single time I've looped this song on my way to and from work at points, like for half an hour to an hour at a time, just this song for an hour. And because I love it so much, it it, it like, it does a lot to me emotionally and like kind of puts you in that state a little bit. And so Mm -hmm. I don't know. I really, I don't know. I don't want to say too much without like, not like, I'm pretty sure the score might be obvious at this point. I was, was going like, to say, this is Chris's number one, everybody. But but I mean, like, I also don't want to just talk forever about it because, I mean, this has already been long enough as it is. Yeah, yeah. Two more songs, that's it. But before we get to the last uh, the last two songs, another fun fact. Um, so, again, I think this is the last one I've, I've found so far. Again, Nine Shells fans, if you know more, please let me know. Fun fact, at the 3 minute and 30 second mark of this song... Um, just as like in the second half of the song, it plays its riff for a little while, but then it starts like doing these long drawn out piano kind of notes, just these chords and holding on to them for a long time. Yeah. You can hear the faint, like a faint beeping in the background if you listen closely enough. And actually the fun part about that beeping is it's Morse code. Morse code. Yeah, I knew it. And it spells out Grace the Teacher and very quickly in the Year Zero universe. It's a website that actually have gracetheteacher.net or something like that. I think it's still actually active. I think I checked it. Okay. Um, It's connected to the Year Zero ARG, obviously. And it's it's the journal entries of uh, an in-world character named Jeremiah Snow. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like, and that goes through his family immigrating to America, and then having to deal with parapin, and then one of them eases off of it and sees the problems with shit, and then something really bad happens, starts drinking parapin again, becomes complacent. It's a really fucking. This is a convoluted story. Like it this is sounds so like a deep. novel, like a novel collection. It could be. Yeah. I wish this ended up being a miniseries, but even then, that probably wouldn't cover everything properly. Yeah. God damn. I had Trent, no write idea a book. It was- it was like this. Holy Just shit. write a fucking book. <laughs> I'll read it. I don't read books often. Like, I don't have a problem with reading books. I just don't have the time or patience for it. But, like, yeah. I will read Year Zero. Yeah. That's freaky. Just freaky. Uh, I'm just looking through my notes. Yeah, that's the last, like, fun fact I have. So, again, Nine Inch Nails fans, please let me know if I missed anything else. I'd, I'll mention this because I know other people will mention it. On the CD version of Year Zero, it has a, a, a heat thermo uh, top to it. So, like... It comes out like this dark blue, kind of slate gray looking thing. If you press your hand on it for long enough, the cover turns white. So it's like heat thermal. Hyper color. Uh, and uh, if you put it in your CD player and play the entire album, it turns completely white. And when it turns white, you can see binary on the CD, which then you translate into something else, which I think is like another oh version of the truth, which God. is like a, a separate website. This goes way deeper than you think. Wow. It's like, I, I, you know, do you know how much I'm leaving out right now? The Probably truth of fucking so Plato fun. and stuff like that. Like, I mean, god damn it. Yeah. Oh my god. Way like, more he, than I have time to. He must have spent so much alone time on that bus during him that and with the, teeth tour. Him and his former art director Rob Sheridan uh, put a lot of this together. So. Dang. They planned it out for a long time, and my god, like there is hardly a flaw in the story and its presentation. Yeah. 
God damn. Uh, again, uh, again to anyone curious because there's way more than we're talking about here today. The Nine Inch Nails wiki is the, the Year Zero article and all the links to find it, like all the multiple stories are in the description, audio or video, no matter what you listen to, I will make sure to put it in there. Because nice. it is a lot. Yeah, I, I'm definitely so going to check that out. Because the farther we go, the more it's like, oh my god! Like, wait until parallels. I start explaining the last two songs here. Oh, because god. my god, like, and I think it, I think it's pretty accurate with the way I'm describing it. But like, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah. But anyways, song fifteen, the penultimate song in this twilight. Uh, fun uh, fun fact that's not year zero related about this song. This is a song people thought uh, Trent ripped off David Bowie. Oh, really? Because not only does it have the same kind of like beat progression as um, Ashes to Ashes from the oh. Scary Monsters album, but um, in the second verse he says, dust to, dust to dust, ashes in your hands remind me. And so people are like, oh, he's ripping off Bowie. It's like, yeah. you realize Bowie was Trent's mentor. They were like good friends. So I doubt he's ripping off as compared to paying homage to yeah. like his hero. So I mean like... No, there's no ripping off. Yes, he probably had that song in mind. I wouldn't doubt it, but I, I'm not. I wouldn't say rip off. I, I'd say if anything, he's like thanking Bowie. Yeah. But anyways, yes, um, in this twilight. Okay, so I'm just gonna uh, spew all mine out, so then you can get yours in, and then uh, we can forget all of the things that I said. So, totally. um, there is a noise in the background that kicks in about 17 seconds and it's kind of like a hmm but it's like i don't know really how to how to describe mm -hmm. it but mm -hmm. it reminds me of the beginning of no son of mine by genesis like the genesis song it it stretches it um through like longer in the bar but just the tone very similar to my ears cool um when the music amps up that sound that I referred to starts to feel like a scream. It just, it gets like, I don't know, louder, more high. There are kind of like screaming ish kind of sounds throughout the song too. So, I mean, like you're not yeah. off, you're not of course here. So that, that definitely like, I, I noticed that right away. And it is nice to hear actual drums in this one. Like not saying there wasn't, but I can really tell that it's an actual set. It sounds Which very is, more acoustic. Yeah, anything, and yeah. and that was super welcome. I like that. Um, but if you do listen to that, like sort of screamy sound, like I, I'll send you the the timestamp for that. So you know, yeah. yeah, I've done that for a couple songs already. You're in editing, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I bet you could replace that sound with a screaming goat, and no one would notice. First off is the fucking slide whistle. Now you're talking about screaming ghosts. Well, yeah, because that's what I that's what I hear is the uh, that meme version of "I knew you were trouble" by Taylor Swift, where she uh, gets into it and then it's the screaming goat. So, yeah. uh, it just that scream kind of sounded like that. Um, but other than that, it just sort of I don't know. To me, it didn't catch me as much as some of the previous songs did. Uh, fair enough. Uh, I mean, it's hard for me to disagree, but it's also hard for me to agree. Yeah. Uh, just because, I mean, I've known this album for a longer time and these last three songs uh, really have a hold on me. So, I mean, yeah. it is much different in my eyes. Um, 
there's quite a bit layered in the beginning of the song. I mean, like, you got that, like, that, that fax machine dot matrix kind of sound sampling going through most of the song, which I think is hilarious. But, I mean, after a while, I don't even think about that. I just kind of think of its own sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, like, a rumbling bass that kind of comes off. Like, the soft elevator, like, ding noise that keeps happening. <laughs> I th- like, I just like kind of incorporating all of these. But, I mean, again, after years, I don't even think about it. It's just... It sounds just nice to there. me. Yeah. I just kind of accept everything for what it is, and it's nice. And obviously, it gets like more gets added as the verse kind of like starts essentially because all those sounds are like in the beginning, like before the verse even starts. Yeah. Even with a bit of like a, a sense of like chaos in a way, there is kind of a peace in this song. And a lot of that comes from like Trent's singing and his melody because it's very like softly spoken, kind of like a bit intimate. And so, like, there's this kind of feeling of peace when he's singing, despite the fact of the noise that's going on around you. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's more prevalent in the next song. We'll get to that when we do. But, like, this song kind of starts off on that. And so it feels really nice. Um, The bass in the chorus, again, with the amazing distorted bass tones, like, I don't know how he does it, but goddamn, does he do it. Um, How do I not boost the score of the song on that sound alone? Yeah. I like it that much. It stands out so much to me that I feel like I have to. Although the song would have got a high score regardless because I do like it a lot. But, like, that tone just kind of, like, makes sure the score is high. I mean, it's already a great song, but damn, like, it it fits nicely among what feels like the beginning stages of the conclusion. Like, we always talk about, like, how a song feels like getting towards the end of the album. This song has those vibes in them. Yeah, I I can't say anything else about this song, but just the things you're saying uh, are appropriate and they're they're for me for the next song. Spoiler. Yeah. So um, so I will say then keep as, as I said these last three songs, although it's the concept album, these songs tie in the best as like an end to the album, mm-hmm. and I do have written verbatim keeping the tie in of not only album but the last three songs in particular. I had said that another version of the truth uh, was this feeling of realization that we had lost and it, it was just too late to do anything. To me, this song represents an understanding or acceptance of our consequence. The end is coming. We can't do anything about it. As as sad as we may feel about it, there's nothing left to do but embrace it. Like, this song is an acceptance to me. Just like, we fucked up, we're done, and then like you see the lights in the sky type thing, which is... Yeah. Thematic, and even in the album The Slip, that kind of carries over, although it's not the same story. Digress. Anyways, um, yeah, like, because you even mentioned the sky is filled with light. Can you see it? Like, you know, you're watching the end happen in real time. Yeah. And that this song is the beginning of that phase type thing. I It's too, <laughs> it's all too spooky now. Now that we're reaching the end and it's like, you're standing there and you're looking around and no buildings are standing. You're just standing in rubble. You don't see any other people. And then the movie ends. And that's, that's, that's like, that's not the vibe I get from the songs, but that's the feeling I get from the whole story where it mm -hmm. just, it feels so uncomfortable and I hate it. (laughs) I hate it. I hate it in the way where people seek out horror movies. You hate them and they freak you out, but you're still going to watch it. You feel alive when you're scared, though. It's it's such a lively emotion. As much as, like, as much as uncomfortable as being scared can be, it is one of the most lively emotions a person can feel. Yeah. So, I mean, like, that's why people adore it. They're, they're like, thrill seekers in a way. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, like, 
you feel sad now. I mean, like the devastation of the final song, though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I have <laughs> I have a bit. I have a bit. Okay. okay. Final song of the album. Oh, my gosh. Finally, we are here. Zero sum. And as I mentioned before, an emotionally heavy punch to this one. But I'll get into my notes. I just want to hear what you have to say first. Okay. So, to me, this song definitely feels like an appropriate wrapping up of the album. It, it's nice that it holds what the band is about in high regard, but doesn't try to start up something that would make this song feel like a beginning rather than an ending, you know? Yeah, like, like ending question mark? No, that doesn't happen here. Yeah. It's ending period. And and there's no, like, there's no intensity where you're expecting an ending or a conclusion. Afterwards, it is the conclusion, which I, if you've listened to this show before, there's many last songs that just leave us wanting more. Oh, yeah. Or it's frustrating. Um, so now um, imagine this. This is what I was thinking when I was listening to this song. If this album was a movie, this song would play when it shows what the characters got up to after the climax. For example, Sam is shown to have split from the group and became an accountant or Jessica had her baby and moved to Montana. So it's like it's it would play where everyone's sort of settling back into their regular lives or whatever their regular lives are. That's what I thought. Um, now, I, I do have. Well, I guess it's not criticisms at all. I just portion it between likes and dislikes. Um Again with the whispering, but this time it felt appropriately off-putting, like it was definitely yes. supposed to be. Ooh, and, I have a note about that. <laughs> and now I do have a, a question to pose to you, Chris. I'm here. Uh, how funny would it be if at the end, when it's just the piano, it breaks into through her eyes? I would be emotionally devastated. I Absolutely, just heart-wrenchingly <laughs> devastated. When I just heard the piano, I was like, how funny would it be if I just broke into that? Not funny <laughs> at all. I see you, like, taking off your, your headphones. Funny in concept, but I mean, yeah. like, if yeah. I listened to that album that happened, it, it would not be a pleasant day for Chris. Solely in concept. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'll take that. <laughs> but, but that's all I got. I, I got a lot of visuals um, while listening to this, which I think is pretty good. I, I like that. Well, first off, I, I, I adore how you mentioned the, uh, the idea of like, this is where everyone kind of settles back and goes <laughs> into things like, no, this is the end. Everything gets yeah. wiped out here. So those, those people going back to their positions, just memories at this point, if those even exist anymore. I'll get into that in a minute. Cause it's, God, this song is heavy as shit. Not, not musically, just thematically yeah um and also you kind of referenced before just like we've talked about like a lot of different endings on here and what works what doesn't and yeah. i have literally made mention of past episodes bands will either nail it or completely miss the ball this nails it beyond belief nine inch nails it if i have to go into that pun i don't even care this is how you end an emotionally driven story this is this is 
perfect. I'm going to read my next five notes just like completely as I have them written here because it's the best thing I can do. Mm-hmm. The very hard glitch snare that pops up used to bother me when I first started getting into this album, but over time, I've grown to appreciate it. It adds the sonic theme of the album as if it was its own goodbye because it's the last time you hear those kind of like hard, like, digital type sounds Uh that layered on a very dreary airy piano led end really puts the story and finale into perspective um trent's very emotional passionate whispered delivery of the final words of the song which is pretty much both verses really um sounds like someone's like dying words and it's always so heavy so it's it's so well done it's uh-huh. very believable as a story, as, a, as if it's a real person it's happening to, because it's just, it's so emotional, it's perfect. And again, tying it in with the last three songs of the album, as I've already kind of hinted, the song definitely represents the final moments before everything fades. Uh, the presence has started to erase everything, as they warned like a handful of songs ago, no pun intended, four-fingered hand. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> The courses are super well thought out. It's amazing how you can have something so emotional, so emotional and reflective, but also have like this well-built groove pushing it through because I mean like the course has this like kind of weird dreary funk to it. Like and it comes a lot from the drums, which like the program drums and I think I think they sound amazing. Um so I have one more note, but do you have anything else to say about it? No, no, I spewed all my BS at the beginning. Fair enough, because this one's, like, long-ish, but not too long. Yeah. Um, there's rarely a listening of the song where the ending doesn't get me somewhat choked up, and I, I'm completely factual about that. Even while I was listening to this for this review, I felt that little lump kind of pierce my throat there. Everything starts to fade. You're left with the most soft-spoken piano you could ever hear in a song that only gets quieter as it progresses. Dull, staticky kind of wind to accompany mm-hmm. it just to kind of show like it makes it feel like everything is empty at that point like, like there's nothing left yeah. and like you're everything is fading going to black type thing a very sorrowful feeling of loneliness completely in the ending there it's beautiful and heartbreaking i had mentioned as i said before for like holy fallout and endlessly bountiful by cynic in episode 17 um that they were some of the most emotionally connected i've ever felt to music this song is like number two because obviously another version of the truth is number one but like zero sum is devastatingly beautiful like i i don't know how else to describe it especially that ending that feels so appropriate because it doesn't leave the option for a sequel it doesn't leave the option like there's one more song that's missing yeah it's over everything is gone we lost goodbye like that is it i love how it ends it's it's one of the very few that when you hear it, you know it's the last song. You don't have to check the track listing. You don't have to check anything. You just, you know that the book is ending. And I really, really appreciate that audio cue that we're done. And like when you listen to the ending, you have to like turn up the volume to really kind of get the piano. But like even if you don't do that, you can like listen to it quietly fade out as kind of like the story's supposed to do for you. Mm-hmm. But sometimes if you want to hear some of the nuances, you turn it up and listen. I do that. Um, as I said, I do get I get choked up listening to the song. It, it is it is gorgeous. And I mean, like, there's multiple points where I feel that. But the biggest point is at the end of the second verse when Trent and his, like, 
very breathy kind of dying voice says, I guess I just wanted to tell you as the lights start to fade that you are the reason that I'm not afraid. And I guess I just wanted to mention as the heavens will fall, we will be get, be together soon if we are anything at all. There's something about that line. Like even right now, holy shit, like that hit me. Yeah. It is such a beautiful line to say that because like I can imagine saying that to like your lover or partner, whoever in your final dying moments and you just it's your last act of comfort before yeah. everything fades like it's it is so perfectly delivered that like every time i hear it just like there it is right there type thing yeah god damn i can think about that all day and just like immediately get misty eyed it's fucking crazy yeah oh man oh. what an album oh it's an uh, emotional roller coaster especially the ending because like the ending is like there's no happy ending it's over yeah. you lost goodbye like that is it yeah and so i mean like there as hyped as i get with this album and certain tracks that just really get me energetic as soon as zero sum ends i am like a puddle that's it it's over. like i got nothing else is it like the same feeling when you watch a movie that sort of has a moral and then by the at the end it's like four hours later you're still thinking about it going this this really got me like, yeah, like I, 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 I'm thinking about the repercussions. I'm thinking about decisions. I'm thinking about how this fits into my life. Well, it, it's funny because this is a like with concept albums that usually drives around a story that people can listen to, kind of enjoy, maybe relate on some level. Mm -hmm. This can be relatable to literally everyone because this deals with the human race fucking up. Yeah. And so like listening to Zero Sum and then like, you know, the course feels like people chanting like shame on us. We were doomed from the start. May God have mercy on our dirty little hearts. Like this is encompassing everybody. Mm -hmm. We are all a part of this. And so, I mean, like. That's another thing that hits really heavy about the song. It's like it's not just about one person or a character. Like you feel like you are part of this at this point. Yeah. And welcome to 2022. Year <laughs> Zero happens now. God damn. The second I see that four-fingered uh, hand come from the sky, I'm just going to be like, well, <laughs> this is it. Yeah, this is the end. No more podcasts to edit. <laughs> God. Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. You've made All it right. this far through this much of the podcast. Oh, I know this is an incredibly you. long episode. Sorry, not sorry. I mean, I feel like this was necessary because of how much at least one of us truly loves this album. So I hope you've enjoyed the passion that at least I've brought. Savannah brought her own opinions, which a lot of them are really good to hear, too. Like, it was really, like, refreshing to hear a different take. That so is like, not what I thought you were going to say, so thank you. Yeah, I'm not, uh, no, I'm not in the mood to rip on you. I just had an emotional moment with Zero Sum there, just thinking about the lyrics. But, yeah, yeah like, you, like, I obviously have a glaring observation of this album so it was nice to have someone's fresh literally fresh yeah. perspective on it i know yeah. like maybe you haven't listened to it enough maybe some certain things didn't hit you the same way that it hit me but like it was nice to hear <laughs> yeah yeah well it's it's nice to know that some of my thoughts on it do align with what he was going for with the story or the sound itself so i mean like kudos to him for really you know putting that into putting that into something tangible where yeah. someone else understands it without all that context. So that's pretty sweet. Yeah, he went hard and he went deep with it. I mean, he really did. So I like that. If you made it this far, my and my god, you made it far. Uh let us know that you're still here. Like, subscribe, comment, do whatever you want. I mean, like just let us know that 
this was all worth it because yeah. this is the longest episode. I haven't even at the point of recording this. Obviously, I don't know how long it's going to be, but I can tell you it's going to be the longest episode we've had. Definitely. Like, subscribe, comment, audio people, rate, follow. It feels weird to do this at this point because it's just how I felt like literally two minutes ago. Yeah. All right. So we can finally start ranking the songs. Yeah. It feels weird to do this, too, only because like as, as we said, for, well, at least for me, um, with in the past with like Mr. Bungle, there's not a single song I dislike at all, but there has to be an order to the songs. So one has to be number 16 and one will be number one. And I don't, I'm sure Savannah's going to feel somewhat differently about that. And that's fine too. Well, I mean, like I, like I said, I didn't hate any of them. Um, I didn't score any of them fair, like fairly lowly. Um, I, I can't even give you a prediction on how many we would have matched up. I look at this going, I have absolutely no idea. I'm going to just stick to my gut and say one as per usual. It's a longer album. We have to have at least one. I'm looking at my lists and I think that I put one song twice on my list. So you do yours first while I fix that up. That's fine and dandy. But yeah, like I didn't even score a song below 7.5. So if like the highest is 10, lowest is 7.5. So if you want to know how well I scored this album, there's your hint right there. So while Savannah's changing her uh, things around mm-hmm. on her page there, boom, above our heads, the graphics has changed as per usual. Uh, a lot of tracks to get through. That's a lot of editing for me because I'm, I have to insert every single song individually. Oh, but hey, that's, that's just what I've been doing since the beginning. I'm used to it by now. But God, 32 names I have to write in now. It's going to be crazy. All there right. So my number 16 was The Warning. Mine was Hyperpower. Uh, fair yeah. enough. I know you wouldn't get too much out of that, but like I yeah. like that song. <laughs> All right. 15, The Greater Good. In This Twilight. Ooh. Wow. It was, just, it was just the one out of the three that made it down, that, down there. I would say the emotional impact of that song, though. Well, like I said, I didn't rank any of these fairly low. A lot of them I ranked the same number, so I had to go and just sort of condense those rankings. When they play in this Twilight Live, especially on the Lights in the Sky tour, they would combine the ending of that song with the ending of Zero Sum and kind of like make this really interesting instrumentation where... What each instrument kind of fades out slowly, and that musician will leave the stage. That light goes off, 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 to oh. the point where it's just Trent in a piano in the middle of the stage with I one like single that. spotlight. Extremely emotional. Oh, I like that. Number 14, Me, I'm Not. Same Z's. Oh, see, we got the one at least. Yeah. All right. All right, good, good start. start. Uh, considering 16 songs, good start. Yeah, yeah. Maybe two. We'll see. Uh-huh. Number 13, The Good Soldier. Survivalism. Ooh, really? I, th- I thought you would have liked that one a lot more. Like, not not not, not number one more, but, yeah. like, top, like, five. Uh, that's why I look at this going, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea where this is going. Yeah. Uh, number 12, God Given. Vessel. Okay, fair enough. Kind of a noisy track to get into. Yeah. Welcome, welcome. Well, you to haven't the- said The Great Destroyer yet, so, I mean. <laughs> well, welcome. Welcome to the flipped list show. All right. Uh, number 11, the beginning of the end. Great destroyer. 
Oh, there it is. As you soon as you said I, it, I, I was had a thought in my head like she's going to say it next. <laughs> and obviously I'm not going to say that out loud, but there it is. <laughs> like, oh, crap. Okay, Destroyer. That's fine. Number 10, Hyperpower. Capital G. Another one I thought you th- would have rated a little higher. Mm, there were a couple that I... Okay, the... Well, uh, I know the Good Soldier's going to be up there somewhere. You talked pretty well about that one. The top two, I ranked 10s, so... The top three, I ranked 10s. Woohoo! Nice. I got a big old score on this one. All right, number nine, The Great Destroyer. Uh, this is the beginning. Beginning of the end. Beginning of the end. You're it welcome. Would, it would not fit on my line. <laughs> That's fine. I just write the word beginning. Uh, number eight, capital G. The warning. Some say it was a warning. Some say it was a sign. Uh-oh. Uh, okay. Uh, number seven, meet your master. Same Z's. No, oh, okay. We, we got the two. Cool. Master. Master. Number six, vessel. The greater good. Greater. Number five, survivalism. God given. We still have potential to match on others too, eh? I highly doubt it though. Yes and no, so we'll see. Number four, my violent heart. Zero sum. Okay. Fair. Number three, in this twilight. Another version of the truth. Okay, we're not matching. That's why I'm like, nope. That's fine. Number two, I chose zero sum. My violent heart. I appreciate that. I'm not going to like, even though I didn't rate it that high, yeah. I appreciate that yes. ranking. Yes. I I have a, a a soft yet callous spot in my heart for that song. <laughs> and number one, obviously, I mean, if Zero Sum wasn't emotional enough, another version of the truth. The Good Soldier. Soldier. Yeah, I figured that'd be up there. Yeah, like, I like that song a lot. Yeah, and I, I know I, I, I say I get choked up over Zero Sum, but I mean, like, another version of The Truth is a song that I easily go back to very often, like, even to this day. Yeah. So that's the reason why it comes number one, because, like, as much as I love Zero Sum and, like, the emotional impact, another version of The Truth is, truth is like, the same thing, but, like, more easily approachable for me, I guess. So that's my justification for my emotional choices there. I'm just proud that your number one and number two were my number three and number four. So yeah, I close. wasn't too far off at all. So that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not too bad. Not too bad. So, I mean, well, of that, we got two. That's pretty good. I, I guess on a 16 song list, maybe not so yeah. much, but in general, Hey, we, we matched on something. Oh yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So now we get to the important part where we it's, actually, you rate- know what? It's not that important. Like, we could probably not rate the record this time and just shut it down now. Are you telling me this is your last episode? I'm terrified of you kicking me out. <laughs> I don't like where this is going. But we need to know where this is going, so I guess we're going to go ahead and transition screens. Now <sighs> we'll rate the right. record. Here we go. Whew. Well, here it is all this goddamn time later. We're finally rating the record. The longest episode we have, but we finally got to the conclusion. Whew. We, we've gone through Blood Sugar Sex Magic with 17 songs, and that was still shorter than this. Well, to be fair, uh, a lot of those songs were, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this. At least with this album, I had a lot more to contribute. So, And also, being my favorite band and album, <laughs> oh, I had a course. lot to say about <laughs> of this album. Of course. 
So, yeah, we are finally here. Album ranking screen. And, I mean, because I chose this album this week, I kind of want you to give me the first initial score. Oh, I'm so scared. Um, well, you're going to have to eventually. Okay, okay, guess, and then I'll tell you. I want to know what you think. You know, initially, before we started recording today, I had in my head it was going to be 69. Because okay. you're just, you're a hard ass and a hard to impress. Yes. But now I will say 75. Point three, or point six three. Excuse me? 75.63. Oh, okay, I was pretty close. You are like, almost you, dead You did not zero tier this album. Oh, okay. God. Oh, my God. Imagine that. You would be fired wow. on the spot. Like, people that, would be witnessing a firing in real time. That would negate all of the positive things that I said. And I'm like, yeah, it's shit. And the fact yes. that you would rate it lower than Weezer would piss me off even more. <laughs> Yeah, that would be oh yeah, not good. Cool. No, it's okay. a seventy-five point six three. That's that's not bad at all. <laughs> well, you had a little mini heart attack there. Yeah, I did. I was like, oh no, what's going to happen with the <laughs> dynamic of the show now? My score, obviously, really damn high. Surprisingly, not as high as Mister Bungle because I gave that a ninety. Mm-hmm. Um, but I gave this one an eighty-six point six nine percent. That is not surprising at all. Now, I'm not, I can't recall the score of Mr. Bungle's, like, full album thing there. Uh, but that Wait, means Nine Inch Nails is... Is it an A? Huh? It is an A. It would, it would have to be. Oh, yeah, because, uh, sorry, I didn't tell you the score on my calculator. 81.16% yeah. is nice. Nine Inch Nails, Year Zero, our second ever A-rated nice. album. So at the very least, I can be happy about that. Yeah, that's good. Because, I mean, it, it came really close to, like, not being that. But thankfully, my favorite album is way, way up there. Nice. Oh, my God, we have another A-tier album after... Since episode seven, real, realistically, it's the only other A-tiered album. Dang. I, you know, I was just telling Savannah off camera here that I have my own personal channel, Chris Poor Media, and uh, I did like a Nine Inch Nails tier ranking list, and I put Year Zero in an S tier, but that was just like, you know, absentmindedly listening to it. But I mean, crit- critically for the show, I came to A plus in my own personal tier, but I'm more thankful that Savannah liked it just enough to make sure it is at least a minus for yep. both of us. Yep, yep. I did it on purpose. I, I did it because of you. Happy birthday. Well, because you, you still don't know when that is. Nope, so every <laughs> day it'll be happy birthday. <laughs> but I, I, I just, yeah, it's pretty great that this album ended up where it is. I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you've obviously made it this far through the episode. Again, just really far into this one. Thank you so much for sticking around if you have. Really hope you enjoyed this incredibly long shindig we got going on here if you made it this far please please hit the like button subscribe button because that means you obviously like what we're doing if you're still here yeah so let us know that you like this episode what's your thoughts and opinions on this album our song rankings album ratings tell us everything because especially especially me i want to talk about this album forever so if you have something to say about it let's talk about it and i like spooky things so if there is any uh any a- ARGs that uh, that aren't part of this or are part of this, send them. I love watching it. I love being part of stuff. Didn't like AFI do one or something like that? If they did, that's news to me. I think so. I don't remember. I could be wrong, but there's other bands I know that have done ARGs. Dang. 
<laughs> okay, I want to know about that. Hell yeah. And okay, and just not to leave the audio people out. I know you're still listening. If you are indeed you're still here, like, subscribe, comment, follow, rate, anything you do help make the the show look good and also just obviously letting your voice be heard on the show we, mm-hmm. that's what we want that's and I'm pretty sure that's what you want too so go ahead and do that you can follow us on our social medias uh, Facebook Instagram TikTok at Rate the Record Podcast and Twitter at Rate the Record go ahead and follow us there keep up with what we're doing as long as as well as here on YouTube for the video viewers yes, and everything yes. like that it's been a long night. It is actually very late right now when we're recording. It's like one in the morning now. Yeah. It's been, this has been uh, impossibly long. But we can't let you go just yet because at the end of every episode, we'd like to give you a nice little uh, hint, a uh, preview of what's going on next week. And I think Savannah might have a thing or two to say about that. Nope. Moving on. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh. Don't turn. Don't turn away. <laughs> Um, okay, so next week we have our second listener request, which oh, is wow. freaking sweet. Thank you for your request. Keep sending me in. Oh yes. So this um, this act, they were individual artists before being brought together in 1990. Their first album, I'm not sure how many hits were on it, but definitely one notable song that even if you haven't listened to this genre, you're probably going to say you've heard before. And it is a genre that neither of us listen to regularly, and we haven't covered it on the show yet. So I'm actually Uh, really looking forward to the change. You more than me, but... Much, much. I I want to state this right now, because uh, especially if... uh, to the, who requested this episode, if you are listening right now, we will mention you next week, I promise, because that yes. is your episode. I just want to say this to you and everyone else who might like that album. It might not be my favorite, but the thing is, I am more than happy to sit through it, cover it, because if you want to hear it, we are more than happy to do it. So no matter what I say, I'm still very grateful for your request. So thank you very oh, much. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. And even if you want to, like, request, like... You know, a children's album. We'll cover it. It's fine. You know, like the Wiggles, whatever. Like Rafferty or whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah, Rafferty. Let's let's do Baby Beluga. Yeah, why not? You know what? Like, no, honestly, Baby Beluga is a fun song. There are very few genres that are really sort of undoable. So request whatever. Out there, it's probably not going to happen. It's so hard to review stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, sorry, not sorry. I mean, Anthony Fantano likes trap music, so we'll listen to him instead. You probably already do, but I mean, that's just like one of the only genres I don't think I can do on the show. Yeah, I I'm not a I'm not a fan of a couple genres, but I don't want to let that out to kind of, you know. I, I don't want to dissuade anybody from requesting or inquiring. They might like something else, though. Yeah. So. But anyways, yes, that is what we have coming up next week on the show. Maybe you know what it is. Maybe you don't. But you'll have to tune in next week to find out. But until then, thank mm-hmm. you once again very much for sticking around this long, listening to us talk. In the meantime, you can go listen to some awesome music like Year Zero, for example. <laughs> and we will see you again next week. So take care, friends. Bye-bye.